crack the codes. The owl's kiss has something to do with everything. So what does it all mean? There's a message in the music. Our world is filled with codes. It's beyond what you will ever understand. That's as common as tits and hamburgers. Oh, you think that's weird? <laughs> Whoa. Ooh, you like that? Whoa. <laughs> that was some nitro action. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that's tasty. Well, tell us about your beer, Jake. Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Movie Welcome. Boners. To movie boners, you're getting some ASMR pouring action right now, and that's because why are you pouring your beer? This is why, my friend. Oh, hey, that was a horrible pour, but uh, oh no, it's a nitro, so that was a good pour. Yeah, look, you at gotta that. wait for it, look it's gonna that. slowly drift up. I've got a movie boners draft cup. Uh, what the fuck's this called? Pint glass. Thank you very much. Myself. Draft myself. cup. <laughs> cool kids call it a draft cup if you didn't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have a movie bonus podcast, official merch, a pint glass you can get from our merch store if you're yep. so inclined. I poured into it today. My beverage of choice is a left hand brewing company from Longmont, Colorado. It's called Getting Tiki With It. It's a nitro. Uh, Pina Colada wheat ale with coconut and pineapple added to it. My God, everything you just said sounds like a bad day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it looks good in my glass, I must say. I'll, you know, I'll say it, it looks good in the glass, but I'm sure it tastes bad. Sorry, left hand. Mm. I actually like left hand brewing, but that yeah. sounds horrible. It's delicious. Well, okay. Trying to find a beer that's like topical for today yeah. kind of difficult <laughs> but i just i did come across this one i was like all right wrong movie but insanity ensues and obsession is there so i think this fits on a very <laughs> very like we're gonna reach and you're gonna get over it uh <laughs> i am drinking bat country it is a mm -hmm. cold brew coffee stout from fourth tap brewing down here in texas and uh it's really fucking good. Uh, okay. Jake. Yeah. I would almost say it is giving one of our all-time favorite beers almost a run for its money. Yeah? You think it's on Sad Panda almost. levels? Almost. 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 I think Sad Panda will always reign supreme just because, like, wow, that is so good. But <laughs> yeah. This one is a happy little beverage. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds very good. I will yeah. take note oh, of that. Man, I really like this beer. <laughs> oh yeah, I got to put it over here. Yeah, you moved your whole set. I did. And yeah, <laughs> and now I'm all like fucked up. Uh, <laughs> oh, but now, oh, maybe we'll. Hey, mine will stay in frame. Hey, copycat. Fuck. Yeah, you got nothing, sir. <laughs> I need a thing to set it right there, but I don't have one. <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea. I'm gonna I need to come up with something else to like prop it up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've been watching a lot of South Park. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most giant it's, it could be like I'm in a bathtub. It's like I'm in a jacuzzi made out of beer. I'm gonna spill this all over my laptop. It's like you're in a jacuzzi made out of beer. Okay. 
There. How's that look? <laughs> sure. Okay. I can't even see you. All right. Forget that. Ah, oh, crap. What did you do? I didn't do anything. Uh, just, I just got a prompt. Jake's video has been disabled due to internet quality. What are you disabling? You disabled. Mine did not. I didn't disable You're shit. You're not yet. there. You're not there. It looks like your upload's slow. I have 96% and you have 60%. 61. 60. Why is Riverside being so dumb? I just updated the computer today, too. Yeah, camera's disabled. Do so the this slow is the boring internet. part of the show, folks. We apologize. Video's oh, still Jake. recording now, so that's good. I know. That was Go. weird. Lie down. Well, hey, you're back. I never left. You left. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to soldier on, or do you want to... No, I say we soldier on. Of course we All soldier right. on. Of course we soldier on. Okay. All so, right. Well, let's get the uh, the new stuff out of the way. Um, we said hi. We did our beer. Oh, yes. Jake, what new things have you watched? Um, I've watched two new things lately. One, after last week's episode, watching all of the movies set in 2022, one of those movies was The Purge, and I realized there was a Purge TV show that came out that there's two seasons of. So I started watching that. It's pretty decent. Uh, it's kind of interesting. And I haven't watched a show on the USA Network since Psych, basically. But uh, for USA being, Network is still around. Apparently, it's still around and putting out, um, well, wrestling and uh, this show, apparently. All right. All right. But it, it's pretty decent. It's uh, on the level of the movies, I thought. I thought it was pretty good i only watched a handful of episodes though and then the other thing i watched and you're probably gonna laugh at me about this because it's an old movie from i think the 90s uh we started watching like rom-coms and romance movies and you know it's just the season for that and uh christy's like have you ever seen american sweethearts and i was like no i've never seen american with john cusack and uh uh sandra bullock right no, John no. Cusack, Billy Crystal, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Ra uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, Julia Roberts. That was the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. yeah, and Seth Green and Christopher Walken, and there's a lot of people in this movie. And uh, it was really, really fucking funny. I loved it a lot, actually. <laughs> I can't believe I've never seen it before. Nice, nice. Uh, way to watch new old. New old. Yeah, yep, exactly. Or old new. <laughs> Either way. Either way. Cool. Uh, I think I saw America's Sweetheart, but I'm not positive. I don't remember it. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. It's good. Um, well, I watched two new, new movies. Uh, we're obviously two weekends into our movie draft of 2022. And Jake, you're kind of falling behind. Good, sir. Yeah. It would seem that not a lot of people care to go watch J-Lo get proposed to or get married during a concert to <laughs> Owen Wilson. But people are flocking to figure out murder mysteries. Well, flocking is an overstatement. Flocking's an overstatement. I I will agree with you on that one. But people are people want to watch murder more than they want to watch uh, ridiculous wedding ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which but I did go and see Death on the Nile. Um, 
it was pretty good. I would say I thought Murder on the Orient Express was better. Okay. Uh, it just had a, a smoother feel to it. Death on the Nile takes quite a while to really do anything, honestly. Mm. Uh, some of it feels a little clunky, but I didn't mind it. I thought it was all right. The ending was pretty like, oh, shit. But uh, yeah, it's it, very entertaining. Um, okay. And then... I finally, after the debacle of Texas weather <laughs> and theater closure due to Texas weather, I finally got to go and see possibly my second most most anticipated film of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jackass Forever was fantastic. I was in pain laughing, and I Worth kept the thinking wait. the whole time, like, you can tell that these guys' career has taken a massive toll on them mm -hmm. everyone's so old and broken and beat up <laughs> like yeah. uh it focuses more on this they've got like five new people young folk that okay. do some stupid stunts uh it focuses more on them doing mm. stuff which kind of makes sense and solve the jackass crew is in their 50s and like yeah. At one point, one I mean, they do make jokes of, hey, we might die if we continue doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was going to joke that some of them are already dead. Um, Ryan, Ryan Dunn was one of my favorites, and it's sad yeah. that he's not in it. I also heard that Bam's not in it. No, Bam Margera is not in it. Uh, he got all... It, it, it is sad, because I think Bam used to be really funny, uh, but yeah. he's that cast member... Were like so him and Stevo were like the heavy drug users. They got into a lot of shit they shouldn't. Stevo mm. got sobered up after having a like coming to Jesus meeting with Johnny <laughs> Knoxville and Jeff Tremaine and has managed to stay sober uh for a long time now. Whereas Bam flipped out on them and they uh drama on the Jackass world was they had to fire him from the movie. Okay. And then as he continued to like attack them go on the attack they ended up having like restraining orders put up against him so he's not in the movie they don't even mention him mm. yeah okay. but there is a uh there is a, a thing at the very end of like post-credit thing for ryan dunn which i thought mm. was really cool yeah um but it was super funny and it was hilarious being in a theater full of dudes of all ages and then there was like a couple women there who you could tell were only there because their boyfriends were like, you got to watch Jackass with me. And they were grossed out because there's a lot of penis gags in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot like the third one. Oh, so much more. <laughs> so <laughs> much worse. <laughs> But, uh, I'll never forget seeing the third one in 3D with you, and they're just 3D dildos flying everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, nope, this. Uh, I still maintain my opinion that during the 3D movie craze, mm -hmm. Jackass Three was one of the very few that actually properly used the 3D cameras and effects. Yeah, it <laughs> was the most effective for sure. Which is so weird to say, but anyways, Jackass Forever was awesome, and not as, like, touching as people were saying, but very nostalgic, and, uh, yeah, I loved it.
I absolutely loved it. Good. That's really good. I still need to see it. Um, I need to get around to that. I will probably be watching Marry Me first, though, because it's on streaming now. Um, but yeah, did not make that much money. So for those of you who are following our draft uh, from the beginning of the year, you had Death on the Nile. I had Marry Me. Seems like Death on the Nile is winning by $2 million and uh, 0.4 points in the IMDb rating. So your overall average rating right now is 7.15. My, I'm at least on the board now. Last week I was at zero. Yeah, yeah. You, but yeah, I have a week. 6.2. Your box office is 42 million. I have a paltry 3 million, but yes. we will get our come up in March. Uh, well, I'm kind of ri I'm riding out February, waiting for March. That's yeah, I feel like uh, February, although I'm leading the charge uh, come March third i'm going to be playing some crazy catch-up because yeah. have you seen projections for the batman no like they are projecting it to be the largest dc opening like batman opening ever wow which i was I like i just know from the chatter that everybody <laughs> in the world is excited for this movie I know, i'm so like great. all right as a batman fan that makes me so proud so stoked yeah. every time i watch a preview i get more excited oh my god i'm stoked as far as the movie draft board i'm like fuck <laughs> fuck 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 <laughs> fuck fuck what had, yeah. what do they do fuck fuck fucking but you do have Black Adam. Have you seen the Super Bowl yep. short spotlight, yep. whatever you want to call that thing? Dude, when they show Dr. Fate, Adam, <laughs> Hawkman, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. So I was excited for Hawkman and all them, right? But seeing Dr. Fate, better yet, hearing Pierce Brosnan's voice as Dr. Yeah. Fate, I was like, oh, Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for that. Yeah. So I think I think we're going to have a, a fun year. Um, I'm a little iffy on the Flash suit, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm a it's little... A, it's a downgrade, in my opinion, from the Snyderverse Flash. Yeah, I'm a little... Uh, why are you trying to make it look like the CW suit, but with like, yeah. glowing yellow lines? But that... Hopefully... Yeah. I'll feel different when I see it in action. But anyways, um, I'm winning right now, yeah. so I have bragging rights at the moment. But come two weeks, I'm fucked. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> I don't even think I have anything next week coming out. You have things in the next couple of weeks. Do um, I? Yeah. So you have well, dog in twenty the dog on the eighteenth. But you have Uncharted, right? Uncharted and The Cursed are both coming out on the 18th. Yeah. I thought The Cursed was coming out in April. I just saw a thing that it's coming out in February, which helps me out a little bit. Um, and then end of February on the 25th, you have both The Outfit and Studio 666. Yeah, but I don't um, think those are going to be big hits. No. And the only thing you have in March is Pixar's Turning Red. and I have like, <laughs> Which is going straight streaming. So I have to rely that it has a good... Like, I guess four movies in March, including <laughs> the Batman. So <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> coming back. That's all I can count. This on. is so bad. I made a horrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> it will be an exciting and interesting year. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right. 
All right, <laughs> let's get into this. <laughs> so this week's episode, we teased it last week. Um, you should know going into it, we're going to be dissecting a movie from 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Or call 20, or no, it takes place in 2011. It takes place in 2011, but it came out in 2018 or 19, somewhere around there. Um, it's called Under the Silver, Under the Silver Lake. Yep. I've had uh, two sips of a beer. It is, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Under the Silver Lake, which I told you we, we should watch. Yep. I, I'm i very curious what you have to say about this movie in general because I hadn't totally watched it. I had started it. I thought it was wild uh, the first like, 10, 15 minutes of it. And so I stopped it and I said, we're watching this together. We're doing an episode on it. Yep. As I got to the end of this movie... I was like, I should stop picking the movies for our episodes because, like, <laughs> the last three have had to do with cults, which is like your least favorite thing in the world, and uh, and it, it just gets so bizarre and weird. This is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, but I've also really enjoyed it because I really like conspiracy theories, I really like codes and secrets and just mysteries, so, and that's what this is. I uh, I'm just gonna come out and say. Uh, so when I watched it, I watched it twice. Um, yeah. first time I watched it the whole time, I was like, what the fuck is Jake <laughs> making me watch? Like, I almost texted you to be like, dude, what? <laughs> but I was like, I was, no, I was not waiting for it. I was waiting for a text all week being like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so I was like. Caught up in the movie. I'm trying to figure the movie out. I'm like, trying to... All right, where are all these subtle clues? I'm like, this feels like fucking... Like a cleaner-looking version of Mulholland Drive, but kind of mixed yeah. with some, like, Alfred Hitchcock-style stuff in it. And I'm like, well, it kind of has... It felt like film noir-ish. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, this feels like I'm being preached to about something. I was like... I was getting frustrated that first time I watched it. And then it ended, mm -hmm. and I was like, fucking indie film pretentious bastards. Like, I was <laughs> I was mad at the end of it, right? Yeah. And then I was like, all right. Went on IMDb. I'm looking up my fun little, like, production stuff that I do. And then mm -hmm. uh, it's like, all right. I'm going to watch it again, and then I'll that's when I'll make my notes as I watch it the second time, right? Yeah, I did the same thing. So I'm watching it again, and since I already know everything that's going to happen, I was like diving further into the internet world, trying to figure out. All right, does anyone know what all this stuff mean? Like, because mm -hmm. I didn't care. I was having a hard time picking up subtleties, right? Yeah. And then I realized two things, and I'm going to save one of them for as we get farther into the episode. Okay. Uh, but I enjoy this movie. Okay. I really like this movie to the point where I almost bought it today. <laughs> but then I was mm -hmm. like, no, you got to buy groceries instead. So I chose the, <laughs> the adult choice, right? But yeah. this is officially on my list of movies I want to have because I mm -hmm. absolutely love this movie. Um, wow. I think it's funny that you brought up all the conspiracies, the clues, the mysteries, all that, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, How deep did you get in the internet? Oh, my God. I went really far. <laughs> it got ridiculous and that's when i started laughing at myself and you yeah uh, like collectively because mm -hmm. we're doing a deep dive episode on a movie that 
feels like it has so much to it for you to try and figure out so many metaphors for you to try to like interpret. Mm-hmm. And the movie means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize how deep it was when I proposed it. And so watched it got super deep in the internet. There's a whole Reddit uh, Dude, subreddit. About those this. Reddit threads are, <laughs> I found myself going farther and farther and farther down as I'm writing the note of like, the movie doesn't mean anything. Like they tell you so many times the movie means yeah. nothing. And I was laughing. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to share my note now and then we'll dissect. Uh, okay. I was like, all right. So this movie to me feels like it's kind of poking fun at or showing the hypocrisy of like movie fans that take things too serious in films. Right. Like mm-hmm. all the cinephiles out there that are like, Oh, but it means this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, uh, at least to me, it means nothing. All that's just red herrings. Uh, but as I'm making that note, I'm going further down this rabbit hole. And then yeah. I had to stop myself and I was like, you literally just said the movie doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but you're trying to find meaning in everything that he saw. And there's yeah. not any. It's like, <laughs> I, I think I just got made fun of. And I think I just understand the whole movie and as soon as i had that moment i was like i fucking love this movie i want to show this movie to just random people (laughs) and just watch them try to dissect it and figure it out and then be like nope (laughs) yeah yeah it's so like interesting because it's simultaneously sincere and gives you a lot of clues and things to chase or hunt like if you enjoy the hunt it's It's really fun to do, but it's also kind of a a joke on that, that (laughs) you are being made fun of for even bothering to do that. Uh, So that's really fun. But yeah, I did have the thought that as I started getting into it and started getting super deep into it and looking at all the different codes and ciphers and decoders and all these things, I was like, I need more time to fully like figure out this whole movie (laughs) because one week is not enough. Uh, Yeah, it was just... When I, the moment that I realized I had gone too far was not on the Reddit threads or the subreddits of it. Uh, it was when I found myself learning about, oh, I just forgot the kind of cipher that they use for the template. Copiale? Yeah. When I was reading that and learning a little <laughs> bit about that, that was a moment I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> what I are no- you doing? <laughs> I have the Wikipedia page open right now. And <laughs> and I thought of you. So the reason I said I laughed at both of us was because yeah. I was like, Jake's probably doing the exact same thing. I bet him and I fell through this rabbit hole real mm-hmm. far. And we're both probably going to come to pretty similar conclusions about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I really like the movie because it just makes fun of that of us. It makes mm-hmm. fun of the audience without being like assholeish or pretentious about it. It just kind of yeah. like, oh no, I gave you this huge like rabbit hole mystery full of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one mystery you should have been trying to solve, we never solve. In fact, we don't mm-hmm. really focus on, <laughs> even though it's in almost every shot of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting. <laughs> It's such an interesting movie because I I agree with you. I do think that is the main point of the movie. But at the same time, 
human beings can apply meaning to anything. Like we, we can, can apply meaning to any sort of coincidence or factor or even in inanimate objects, we can just apply meaning to it. And so even though the creator or the joke may be it's meaningless and that may be intentional, the, the whole, but we're still trying to find the, the meaning and yeah. all the other stuff. I still, as dude, my notes are the most like mm -hmm. picks up thing I've ever written before. <laughs> Like, yeah, it, it can just take on a life of its own after the fact even... <laughs> fans can come to it and say, no, this is what it means. Cause I do think it has the conversations have a message. The characters have a perspective and you can yourself take something away from it and feel like, Oh, I learned something or I have an interesting new thought, which is meaningful about life or relationship or whatever. So it's, it's kind of a, What's that thing where something is conflicting with itself? Uh, not, I guess hypocritical. It's conflicting it's, uh, with itself. We'll just. Go it's with a that. paradox. Okay. It's kind of a paradox where uh, paradoxical, where it's it's both at once. And yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, very interesting movie. I after I watched it that first time, dude, I was like, I am so mad at Jake right now. Not like legitimately <laughs> mad, but like, yeah, yeah. God damn it, Jake! What the fuck? Like. Yeah. I get that yeah, our I deep did. dives want to be movies that are a little bit on the otter side or like, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was like, what motherfucker? What yeah. Doing and me? I didn't, unlike when we watched The Endless, I didn't, I didn't know what we were getting into exactly because I had started it and then I stopped it and I didn't really know how deep it got. Yeah. Um, and all I knew is, like you said, it had a very... Mulholland Drive kind of feel where it's like there's something more to this it's weird but it's, it was more interesting than Mulholland Drive it was, was way more interesting than Mulholland Drive um, that might be in part I think Andrew Garfield is just he was a joy to watch in this movie I don't think it was his best performance yeah. but he played it so naturally that it, I kind of felt like Oh yeah, if I was some poor bum living in LA who got caught up in this wild yeah. other world, um I might react like he does with some of the stuff. Granted, <laughs> this movie has like one of the most random sex scenes ever. <laughs> it was like, whoa, there's Garfield's ass. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um it, it's, it's also it's also crazy that the skunks. budget for this movie there are skunks in this movie. The budget for this movie was eight and a half million, which you know, pretty normal, average, small budget movie. But I think it's a very unknown movie because worldwide gross was like just over two million. Yeah. And one one and a half of that came from France. And I know it was big at the Cannes Film Festival. Do, uh, the, I don't know if this is accurate, but Box Office Mojo had the domestic gross of only forty six thousand dollars for this. I don't movie. even remember this movie coming out. I don't remember hearing anything about it. Like yeah. I had never heard of this movie until you mentioned it, mm -hmm. and I felt I kind of I like a it. bad Andrew Garfield fan for never having heard of it. Um, yeah. But I kind of understand why it didn't get a huge, like, publicity push. I mean, It Follows, uh, although theatrically released, did not 
do much at the box office. It's kind of, he's an unknown writer director, unless you're a fan of it follows. Um, yeah. Which I had to laugh about this too, because the first time I watched it follows, I fucking hated that movie. Like every second of it just pissed me off. And then I yeah. watched it again after you and Christy were like, no, no, you gotta rewatch it follows. You just gotta like, mm-hmm. just give it another shot. And then I watched it again and was like, Oh, okay. I don't hate this movie anymore. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I, all I remember is it being a horror movie about STD, basically. Basically. Um, <laughs> but they do some so, yeah. interesting things in it, for sure. Um, yeah, new things. But yeah, so I, I feel like, and plus Andrew Garfield has been on a really big kick for most of his career to do smaller projects to do like kind of an indie mentality mainly because he he strikes me as a kind of actor who does not actually want to be yeah super well known although mainstream he is mainstream whether he likes it or not sorry once you do a marvel movie yeah (laughs) once you put on the spider-man suit and amazing spider like you are now huge, no matter what yeah. you do from here on out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, this movie was weird as fuck, man. Like, <laughs> I agree. I agree. So you want to get into the details? <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know where to, we might as well just start from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to start from the beginning. I have, that's basically all of my notes was this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. <laughs> so I don't forget. I also have right next to it a list of all of the interesting clues and codes and things that happen throughout the film, basically in order by timestamp. So we'll be talking about those. Um, the main thing is... So you stayed well, think, in the rabbit hole. You came up yeah. with timestamps. Well, there's a blog. Some dude has a WordPress site with all these timestamps. Oh, my I, I didn't make God. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to Paul's perambulations which is a wordpress site that has a list of codes throughout the film of uh under the silver lake um okay <laughs> so yeah and i have the reddit open i have wikipedia open i have all this stuff we're gonna get really deep into it so the key is well, i think we recommend it it's a good movie go yeah. watch under the silver yeah. lake if you haven't otherwise we're gonna spoil the fuck out of it right i now. mean we are spoiling the fuck out of it um I I do recommend this movie, and I I have to say you got to watch it a couple times because that first time viewing it, you're going to be so lost, frustrated, Mm -hmm. kind of like, what the fuck? Unless unless you're a diehard David Lynch fan, in which case you're probably going to be like, oh, they're just ripping off of Mulholland Drive or Twin Peaks. Yeah, you're just along for the ride at that point. Uh, But I still say even for them, you should watch it a couple times because... It's that kind of movie where things don't really click until you're rewatching it and noticing other stuff or deciding to go down the rabbit hole that is the internet. Which is funny that you and I both did that because they make fun of the internet at one point and Mm -hmm. it felt directed. It felt like an attack, but not like a malicious attack, just in general like, hey, Mm -hmm. the internet can be really bad. Maybe don't do it. Yeah, that's a message I took as well. Uh, later on in the film, they talked <laughs> right. about how 
there's we crave these mysteries and secrets because there's no secrets left and that struck me as like the most personal message yeah. of the movie because we grew up in a generation where the first generation of the internet basically where anything is available at any time if i wonder about the most random thing i could just google it and somebody has already figured it out somebody already knows and so there's nothing left to discover there's no more secrets really in the universe as far as like normal things that we right. would care about like super scientific things that i don't care about there are still i'm sure but in general that's the case and so that was the most interesting thing that we crave this conspiracies and secrets and all of these things because there's something that in us that needs that and we don't have it for the first like time ever yeah um, we're going to get folks. There's going to be a lot of conflicting opinions. I know I just said the movie doesn't mean a whole lot, if anything, <laughs> but I'm going to warn you now, I'm yeah. going to go into like parts of the character of Sam, Andrew Garfield's mm -hmm. character, uh, the clues, the conspiracies, his drive. It's all going to be very hypocritical of what I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't talk about this movie without just sounding like a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. So the the thing to kind of keep straight, I think, between, as we talk about it, this movie has at least, as basic, at its most basic level, there are two different levels. There's the story level, where things are happening to the characters. There are codes and secrets that the characters are investigating, and that they are noticing and looking into and trying to decipher themselves as part yeah. of the story. That's one level. The second level are all of the other codes and secrets and things that happen that the characters never, e they either notice but don't resolve or don't notice and the audience notices. They're, they're codes for the audience, us, the people. Yeah. And so it kind of works on those two levels and we'll, be jumping back and forth throughout uh between those two i think yeah the, it's gonna be a jumbled mess but stick with it folks. it's <laughs> yeah. an interesting let's try story. to try to get through it and i think going in order is the cleanest way to do it so the very beginning of the movie before there's any actual shot of characters there are a sequential shot of images of animals and I, I'm very interested to know how many of these things you figured out and how many things you're learning for the first time on the podcast. Uh, it's probably going to be most of the animals at the beginning are going to be learning more about, like, I f saw the Reddit stuff and the IMDb stuff about the animals that follow, uh, mm -hmm. but I didn't put much thought to the animals. Okay. Especially that first time viewing, just because I was like, oh, great. Right out of the gate, I have to try and like figure out what the metaphor for these images are. <laughs> Joy, yeah, uh, uh, and some of them I think are easier to decipher, and some of them are deeper. And I'm sure there are a lot of things I don't because this is a compressed thing. Like I said, I wish we had three weeks to fully like take this thing apart. Um, I feel like it's rushed a little bit, so if you notice things or think things that we left out or missed, definitely just reach out to us on social media. I would love to rip this apart with you. Um, but the very beginning, it shows three animals. It shows a unicorn, a tiger, a snake, and a lion. 
Um, and those initials, Unicorn, Tiger, Snake, Lion, UTSL, is the initials of the movie under the Silver yeah. Lake. And so that's pretty simple. Um, but then it shows the on the window, uh, the, someone has graffitied to this like window to this coffee shop. Someone has graffitied, beware the dog killer. And you're kind of seeing this girl scrub it or try to scrub it as if uh, she's trying to wash it away. And that's kind of the first hint at a thing that runs throughout most of the movie is that there is a actual dog killer on the loose. Um, he appears to be someone who is finding and kidnapping and killing dogs. And there are several references to it. And this is kind of the first one, the most obvious one. So <laughs> that first scene with him looking at her trying to scrape off the lettering, which she does a horrible job, by the way, because yeah. it's still there yeah. like throughout the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, uh, you're not going to do that with a brush. Get a razor blade. <laughs> right, do right. um, so that first viewing scene, Beware the Dog Killer, immediately along with like the animals that you see at the opening, it's kind of like, all right, what the fuck is Jake making me watch? Because you see him standing in the coffee shop, and he kind of has that, like, his head's cocked to the side just a little bit, watching her try and scrub it off. And you're like, mm -hmm. all right, first shot, whatever. Second time viewing it, I'm, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's like, all what right. What do you mean, come on? I, I think the, the main mystery, the only mystery they never solve throughout the film is solved. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> pretty much from the get-go, but... Um, what do you mean? I think it's him. You think he's the dog killer? Yes! Why? It's gotta be him. Why? Because all the dogs die around him, and he carries the dog biscuits in his pockets. He carries the dog biscuits because he says that his girlfriend took his dog. He lied to that one girl. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. We are. But I think it's he him. Said that Anyways. He told that girl that his dog died. He lied about that. Um, he, then he tells a later person that maybe he lied both times. I never thought about this. But he tells someone later that his girlfriend took the dog that he like liked and he wanted to like reconnect. And if he like pet the dog's head, everything See, would be okay. He kills the dogs as retaliation to the to the ex-girlfriend. You think that's why all the dogs bark at him when he walks by yes. them and stuff? Because they know that's that he's why bad he's news. always hearing dog bark, dogs oh bark at him God. throughout the whole film. I'm gonna take a note because that is wild AF, my friend. By the way, folks, this movie goes pretty heavy into like what is delusion? Uh, does paranoia yeah. feed delusion? Create delusion? Uh, it does a lot so of paranoid? this. When we get to the owl's kiss. I'm very yeah. curious to hear your take on this, Jake, but oh, I don't want to jump man. that far ahead quite yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, opening shot. He's at the coffee shop. He sees the girl trying to scrub off the lettering. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, my and mind the, the, just the, went... <laughs> well, the very next thing is he like... There's this very slow push-in shot where he's watching this two girls behind the counter of the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And this was like the first clue at several things that happen in the first five minutes of the movie is that it focuses on a lot of little things to the point where I was like, this is important. 
I need to notice this or this will come back later. That's why I took so many notes of like, he opens a gate. It says no parking. And then he leaves the gate open. I was like, this is going to come back at some point. That actually never came back at any yeah, yeah. point. <laughs> but there's, there are things that happen that um, I'm like, this is important because the, the film seems to focus on it. I'm like, that's so weird that you would focus on these two girls just having a conversation. I was like, does he know them? Does he want to fuck them? What the hell's going on? And uh, they don't I mean, I would really say the, the latter he tends to kind of be in that mood throughout the whole movie. He does focus, especially on butts <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but the thing that you don't notice and that he doesn't notice as the character, but the audience has later figured out is that as you're, as he's slowly like focusing on those girls, there is a menu in that coffee shop. And on the bottom of that menu, there is like Morse code, um, mm -hmm symbols going on and the reason that you know to even care about the morse code is because of the copiale cipher we talked about before <laughs> we made it like 10 minutes into the movie and you're breaking up the cipher <laughs> well i thought it was so interesting when i the only thing i really learned from imdb well i learned a handful of things from imdb which mostly had to do with like pop culture references or this movie references um, like old movies a lot. That was really interesting on the IMDb stuff, but it took me deeper later on where the cope, the weird thing is that this movie was filmed or came out in 2018, but it takes place in 2011, which is such a weird thing to do set things seven years in the past. I think the main reason that happened is because this copiale cipher, which is apparently a famous cipher it's a 250 year old code that wasn't deciphered until 2011. And so I think that's such an important time to set the movie in yeah. because it's like popular or it may have been popular. Some weirdos may have heard that, Oh, this is solved. So I'm going to be spraying graffiti around town with this thing. Um, and so that's what happens in the movie. There is this graffiti in like the overpasses or in the bathroom um, of this copiala cipher. And when you decode it, the graffiti translates to coffee menu, which is the very first scene of the movie, that coffee menu, which has the Morse code on the bottom. So, so far things are coming together. <laughs> that was the longest rant ever. <laughs> That's the first of many, my friend. I know, I know, but I'm not making fun of you. I'm not, I'm not talking shit. I'm, you are just adding fuel to my perception of the film not actually mean or having this full super like deep yeah. meaning because all of that led to oh there's morse code <laughs> on the coffee menu which the morse mm. code just sets you on this rabbit hole that you go around and around to find <laughs> all this graffiti and all it all comes out to mean is coffee menu yeah <laughs> Well, the so the to go deeper, the, the Morse code on the coffee menu. Then, um, it, it 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 takes a bit to translate it because there it translates to a series of letters which don't mean anything as you look at them. But later on in the uh, conspiracy guy's house, the comic book man's house, dude, his uh, house there, freaked me out so bad. <laughs> there's a series of letters on the wall. 
And if you uh, use those letters to decipher the Morse code, it translates to what T-H-R-E words. And so it's like, what three words without the two E's in the word three? Which doesn't make that much sense until you go to the billboard of his ex-girlfriend. I can, and or you bottom, can see clearly now. Yeah, the I can see clearly now contacts advertisement. And in the very bottom left corner of that shot of the billboard, it has the letter E equals EE, which kind of fills in the what three words uh, thing. And what three words is a geocoding system for communicating locations around the world within like an accuracy of three meters. Um, and so those coordinates translate to like, a bunch of other shit. And suffice to say, this movie, we've talked about it for about 10 seconds and already I'm way down the rabbit hole. And all of those geocodes have to do with like the locations and like the characters it's, go it's, and all this. Yeah, stuff. it's like, it's LA. Uh, real world locations. Which we're going to get to the real world locations because they do have multiple maps mm -hmm. that kind of show you the real world locations of LA. Um, by the way, it taking place in LA. That that's not just a movie doing a movie thing. LA lifestyle is huge in this movie, kind of uh the elitist mm -hmm. lifestyle. Yeah. Without having to be an actor or anything like that, just you are crazy wealthy and elitist uh mm -hmm. or a part of the elite class. Uh that's a big deal with this movie. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> It's only partly a commentary on the broad culture of movies and music. And yeah, it's pop also... culture just kind of is a part of this whole thing. But really, to me, it's mm -hmm. such a like great showing of the simple like average Joe who mm -hmm. just happens to get caught up. Like the you know the how did I put it in my notes? Because I made a note about this. <laughs> I tried to be organized on my notes, but clearly we are not going to be organized that. trying to do this because <laughs> this is going to be going everywhere. I lost my note. What the fuck? God damn it. Where is he? Where? Oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's such an unseemly poor guy. Yeah. That he's able to just kind of make his way through this world kind of unbeknownst to everyone else around him, except for those who are mm. keeping tabs on him. If anyone's actually keeping tabs on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems to be very, even though it's generally about pop culture, it's also very specifically about LA culture and Hollywood yeah. culture where they you go to several parties and all of those parties are in the most, random locations like graveyards and crypts and roofs and very specifically weirdly themed and you always see these same people at those parties right because um, everyone's so trying to, to like know. make good on connections or make connections in general uh, yeah. everyone's trying to be edgy and do their own thing which i thought was kind of a funny thing for the movie to poke fun at especially with like yeah. the music career of Jesus and the Three Brides. Uh, the number three yeah. is huge. And honestly, yeah. I expected more numerology conspiracies to like follow down this movie, but there wasn't that many, actually. 
Yeah. Um, three is the main one, especially three girls. Yeah. Uh, there are three groups of girls a lot in this movie. Uh, it's funny you mentioned numerology, though, because when we first go to Sam's apartment, his room is number 23, which is funny. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't there. I just said it wasn't as prominent because I figured, yeah. like... That's a big, big rabbit hole you could the, easily go down. Yeah. Which I maybe they figured, you know what? We've created this crazy rabbit hole already. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't need to add numerology on top of that because that would be, <laughs> we'll actually break people. And yeah. I think you would lose audience with that people, but numerology is still hinted at. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Jesus and the Three Brides. Well, he's still in that coffee shop. We haven't even left that. I know. We yet. haven't even gotten out of the goddamn coffee shop. We're we'll still in a second. People, this is the opening shot of the movie. We haven't even moved on to the story. We're about to move on to the story, kind of. So he sees a magazine, an LA Weekly magazine, and it has Who Are Jesus and the Brides of Dracula on it. Yeah. And so this is just one of many things I was like, that's so important. That's so specific. I wrote all this stuff down. And so he sees that that seems important. He leaves the coffee shop finally. And then, <laughs> and then this is the point where I was like, this movie's fucking weird. I need to call Dustin because was it the squirrel? He, yes. He's walking <laughs> home and a squirrel falls out of a tree right in front of him onto the cement concrete sidewalk. And like, it's like, animated in a weird way where the yeah. squirrel like reaches out towards him like lifts its head and arm and i'm like is this squirrel gonna talk like it looked <laughs> like he was about to ask for help or something <laughs> like the squirrel's all tore open and bleeding and mm -hmm. oh like the dot what you just had an epiphany I I, well be okay it's not really an epiphany but i'm just wondering if it's just another added thing of like showing Sam's mental state, although he's pretty even killed for the first few scenes. I think yeah. it's safe to say with as quick as he falls down this this hole, mm -hmm. maybe he was never actually mentally stable. Uh, yeah. So he's already like, that... there's a lot of hooting like from owls pretty early. Yes. And this is one of those shots. Cause uh, the squirrel, he hears something in the trees and then the squirrel falls and like looks up at him. I thought the same thing of like, is he about to talk to an animal? Like what the yeah. fuck movie am I getting myself into? Yeah. The squirrel doesn't talk people. It, it doesn't. He runs away right after that. Uh, yeah. Sam does not the squirrel. The squirrel stays the squirrel bleeding dead. out. It dies. Fucking dead. You assume it dies. It has to die. But I'm wondering if the owl's kiss had something to do with the, the squirrel. Could be. If it's just, you know what? Ahead of myself. Pausing that. <laughs> no, I, Sam I, I runs did, away mental, from the squirrel. <laughs> his mental state does come up, though, where there are several times I was like, is he depressed? Is he suicidal? Is he What is he? What is going on with this guy? Is I think he he's, high? Is I he, think he's like, all of it all at once, which is yeah. just kind of uh, another, like, look at the LA lifestyle. Everyone's mm -hmm. so broke, but they're just trying to maintain some kind of persona. And his is yeah. very, since he's so obsessed with Kurt Cobain, he's to me, he's trying to like aim for having a life or making a life by hating stuff around him or mm -hmm. trying to be like, 
look how nonchalant I am. Isn't that my thing? Like, I'm so yeah. cool doing that. Uh, I did wonder, yeah. like, how are you paying for anything? Because <laughs> even in 2011, apartments in L.A., mm -hmm. not cheap. And yeah. well, his and they talk about is that. really nice. <laughs> they talk about that in the movie, that it's really expensive to live there. And he is very obviously not working. He's about to be evicted. Uh, even though he keeps lying to his like friends and mom, his mom calls him right after this. And is like, I know you're super busy. I, I, what are you doing? And he says, I'm working. He's not, he's just sitting on the deck he's, watching some old lady's boobs hang he's out. He's being a creeper. <laughs> but he's like, tells her, tells her he's working. He tells a lot of people he's working when he's obviously unemployed, uh, which I think is an LA thing to do. And he he just he he. I don't know how he's paying for anything either because he buys groceries. He's he's not paying for his apartment. He buys like, so many groceries. There's so many scenes where he has that one bag, the paper bag, full of yeah. groceries. He either throws them on the ground and screams and runs away, or he's always putting it on the counter. And every time I'm like, how and with what money? Yeah. He throws yeah. five bucks to get a guy's number. He like yeah. <laughs> he, he puts an escort on his credit card. <laughs> escort on the credit card he drives a nice car i don't know Which anything gets, about cars so i'm assuming it's a nice car it looks it's nice. a mustang it's very like pretty beefy cool looking but it does get repossessed because he does. uh, doesn't he, have any he doesn't money he doesn't payments on it not paying payments on that he's not paying his rent he's about to be evicted but he throws uh, yeah. cash around a handful of times in the movie like he doesn't even look at the cash he just like pulls it out of his mouth like all right which I think but is it's like five another dollars. LA thing. But it's an LA thing to do, though. Is like he sure. just throws the money around. Uh, no yeah. offense, LA folk, but come a on. lot of offense. Come on. You suck here come in LA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. With you. It's funny that he like he's like, I'll give you five dollars to give this guy my number, and he's like, I don't want your five dollars, dude. <laughs> right. so anyway, he goes home. He he gets a call from his mom while he's peeping on this old lady with her boobs out. Uh, she was like talking to her parrots, and yeah, she's uh, like her, his mom. His mom tells him like, "I want you. This movie's on TCM tonight. It's this old Janet Gator movie, and and that and you're like, I wrote it down because I was like, this is supposed so, so specific." specific. <laughs> and it is one of the things that comes back several times. I was like, oh, good. I'm glad this one were paid off. The other one didn't, but whatever. You win some, you lose some. Um, but this movie, there's like one of the, I think this is one of the first times that this movie references old movies yeah. a lot, especially old Hollywood. It's just like, well, not of, just by mentioning like the actress in this movie, but the way he's sitting on the balcony with his binoculars, that is very point. rear window. Yeah. Hitchcock -y. Yeah. And there's several Hitchcock references in this movie for sure. <laughs> including a tombstone. <laughs> Into, including literally Hitchcock's grave. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's peeping on his neighbors, one of which is like this weird bird lady who's topless. Yeah. And it, like immediately when she showed up, I was mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah, old lady's topless, like not for me. <laughs> Um, but also Not for most people, like only my thought on that was like, what the fuck? They're in LA, like, yeah, when in LA, and I then guess. he sees like the hot neighbor come out with her dog listening to music. I loved how the old lady yells at her to turn the music down because it's like disrupting and it's yeah. uh, uh, distracting and like 
Yeah. Whatever. Like, she's Lady, you're topless your in public. Your tits are hanging out, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so the girl like pretends to turn down. She's like, sorry, it's as low as it goes. As low as it goes. <laughs> but that song is a big deal. The song that she's playing on the radio is a thing that replays throughout the movie. And yeah. it's the Jesus and the Brides of Dracula band that we had talked about a second ago. Um, they have a hit single or whatever that gets played constantly throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the whole rear window thing. And then that girl like looks up and sees him when she hears his door get knocked on, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> someone knocks on his door and she hears it from way down at the pool. Um, and so he gets embarrassed because he was staring at her through binoculars. But uh, his neighbor, not a neighbor, but a friend with benefits, apparently some girl comes over, um, which is kind of funny because the girl it, who we're about to see naked having sex with him. And you mentioned the butt scene a second ago, Andrew Garfield's, but um, this is the second time in two weeks we've seen Ricky Lindholm naked. Naked. Yeah. I was like, Oh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> she, cause she was super naked, full frontal naked in hell baby last week. Yeah. Uh, which is, that was weird to me. This is a, even weirder that it's two times in a row because I know her from, she was in a comedy music group or maybe still is in a comedy music group called Garfunkel and Oates. Yes. Which and is Garfunkel like the most, and Oates is hilarious. They're hilarious and also like the dorkiest girls. So for her to be like doing all these like nude hot girl scenes is so weird to me. Uh, I had to laugh at this small little detail though. So with Sam always lying, cause he lies yeah. quite a bit. He yeah. tells his mom that he doesn't have cable. Mm-hmm. And then they're watching cable while having sex. <laughs> well, they're watching the news. The news, it, but it's... It could be local. I guess. I My brain just immediately, <laughs> though, was like, oh, he does mm-hmm. have cable. He's just not wanting yeah. to like watch a movie with mom. <laughs> and I think that's totally possible because I also got the vibe that he's just a liar. Like, he lies to people yeah. a lot. When uh, Ricky Lindholm, I don't even know what her character's name is, but when she comes in, she like brings sushi and she's like, hey, you want to hang out? And I guess that's code for have sex. But she says, um, she's like, what's that smell? And he's like, oh, there's there's skunks all around and they're spraying everywhere. And it's and I'm like, that sounds like a lie. It sounds like you're lying to her <laughs> and you just don't want her to know you were smoking weed or something. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> Right. And then it turns out there are skunks. I was like, oh, maybe you're not a liar. But then there's all these other things. I'm like, no, you definitely lied about that. So I don't know who to trust, what's yeah. going on. No, I I think uh, I think he his character just kind of, because it's obvious he doesn't take care of himself. And yeah. I think he's just kind of, uh, he's creating an odor at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a, like a hippie odor? He, he's got, he's that kind of dude. Um, yeah. but I, I, I feel like it's recent because she still sleeps with him. He's still around people that don't really say anything or care. Uh, Until it's he gets sprayed like, by a skunk. Yeah. Then he gets sprayed by the skunk, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, they like, he pulls the sushi out of the bag and they're like, they have a quick chat. Oh, it smells weird. And he's oh, skunks just fucking spraying everywhere. And immediately after that, it's just clapping cheeks. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. Sex, uh, big time. Yeah. that, And they're like, the sex scene is in a comedic way, kind of, where they're obviously having sex, but also having a conversation during it where she's like, oh, that's a cool poster. And you can tell he's like a Nirvana fan yeah. and a, a Kurt Cobain poster. And they're watching the news, like you just said. So they're watching the news and this billionaire mogul like face of Los Angeles has just gone missing. Yep. And that's like a, a obvious plot point that happens and they're like watching tv having sex at the same time and and but that's all you basically learn i guess at that point well like him on. going missing that was to me when i was watching it that first time i was like oh so here's the mystery that he gets like that he's gonna stumble into mm-hmm. to me i was like all right so they set up the where the dog killer like, yeah, that'll probably be a, a subplot. Uh, you got the weird squirrel, but you forget about the squirrel pretty quick. Yeah. And you're like, well, what, what's going to happen? But as soon as the newsreel plays with the billionaire dude, that to me, I was like, oh, he's going to wind up like finding this guy or finding out was like, here's our mystery. And yeah. immediately thought, oh. The hot neighbor probably has something to do with this. So I felt like, <laughs> hey, I think I'm figuring wow. something out. Of yeah, course, you did, basically. Those two things, to me, I feel, I don't take credit for being able to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Because the rabbit hole is so much weirder than I ever thought they would try. I would have been, like, less surprised had they turned out to be, like, aliens or something. That would have been, like... Oh, okay, I get it. Mm. The big twist at the end, uh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is really crazy. But uh, um, th- one of the other things, so right after they have sex, I guess two or three somewhat significant things happen. So they have a conversation where uh, th- she talks about, he-, he has like a Playboy magazine on the end table, and he's like, oh, that's my favorite Playboy I stole from my dad when I was a kid and all this stuff. And uh, the cover image uh, comes back later and is re-referenced by the movie. Uh, The second thing is that she, underneath that Playboy magazine, was like some notes that are scribbled that she's like, oh, what's this? And he's very defensive about her seeing that at first. And then the third thing is that you hear the lady's parrot cawing in the distance and she's and it's like saying something as parents te- parrots tend to do it's like they're trying to figure out what it's saying and you can't really tell what it's saying yeah and so but that's what another thing is like oh they're trying to figure out what the parrot's doing yeah <laughs> their conversation about the playboy magazine had me thinking like wow people are really just out in the open with this kind of stuff aren't they okay uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then she was cool with it i guess she was cool with it i mean she told him the first thing that she masturbated to which was weird uh, that is weird but like the notes so the first time watching it i was like all right are the notes all gonna come back for something later they probably mm-hmm. will they he bring he brings them up again but they're kind of yeah. like they do serve more- as the purpose of letting you know this guy lives in a world where he th- he believes there are hidden meanings and mm-hmm. 
codes and conspiracies throughout everything in everyday life. Yeah, it's more of a character thing where he is just interested in deciphering codes. He's able yeah. to to take notes of things, of weird things, and put codes together, solve puzzles, I guess, kind of. So it is a character thing that leads him to being able to solve the bigger mystery yeah. later on. Yeah. And by solving, a, he stalks. <laughs> he does a lot of stalking. In this he movie. does do a lot of stalking. <laughs> um, when you said earlier the one mystery that's not solved, I thought you meant what the fuck the parrot's saying. Oh, no, no, no. I did Googling a lot, and most people people talk about, like, the eggs in the carton and how many eggs there are versus how many empty spaces there are and trying to figure out the code between that. People say that he's saying murderer. People say that he's saying Hollywood. Uh, people say they're saying let's go. People don't know what the fuck he's saying. So I don't have an answer. If you know what the parrot is saying, I really need to know. Um, I saw one thing where it was like... <laughs> okay, so I, I Googled it just to, okay. just for fun. Very yeah. first thing that pops up is one of the Reddit threads that is decoding okay. the parrot's message in Under the Silver Lake. And there yeah. are so many more. <laughs> <laughs> so no answer, basically. No answer. None. <laughs> That's why I need to know, because I've already seen that. Dude, I tried looking up, like, the owl's kiss, the owl lady from Under the Silver Lake. Yeah. And that was a thread that I was just... Oh boy, I can't wait to get there. Well, it, it it was just people repeating like what the question was, but no one had any thought, oh. like real thoughts or answers on it. And I was like, oh my God, this is like watching the movie. All right. <laughs> I have real thoughts and answers. So you just hang out. All listener. right. Well, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Um. So after the sex scene. Oh, this one says to... the parent says, I don't know. That's not helpful. I don't believe you. I want it to mean something. That's what I'm getting down to. <laughs> I mean, I believe you. I don't believe that person because I think it means more than they're saying it means. I am a believer. It's what I'm getting at. And to that end, he, after that, he goes to the, co the comic shop or bookstore or whatever it is, and he sees a black and white local independent comic book. Mm -hmm. And again, we're he opens it up and there's a full play, full page splash of... Uh, this scene that says beware the dog killer again. And so that kind of like, oh, this is a thing that's being brought up again. This must be important. And so he gets the comic. That's where you said that he gives the like guy selling the books. He's like, have you, do you know who this guy is? He's like, yeah, it's a local guy. And he's like, I'll give you $5 if you give him my number. Cause I want to meet him. I want to ask him questions yeah. or I'm a fan. He pretends to be a fan, but he thinks that's important and he wants to meet him. Now and the comic is interesting. I, I was going to say, I hope you don't brush over the comic because they, it's a motion comic that gets like yeah. read to you as the audience. And it's yeah, all, especially le like later. It's really, yeah. Cool. Like um, they do bring up the mysteries of under the silver Lake and it, it's a cool little graphic that they put up. I, I like it when some movies do this where they'll like, yeah, tell a sub story in this different medium. I really like mm -hmm. that. This brought me back to like uh curse of the black freighter from Watchmen, where it was like, Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like a story in a story that refers to the main story. It, That's yeah. my favorite. I and this one definitely does that. Uh, 
I think it adds a lot of extra layers of mystery to everything. Yeah. I feel like I didn't I didn't go down any rabbit holes on the comic itself, although I feel like I should have, but I got so caught yeah. up and just I mean all I typed in at first was like meanings in under the silver lake and uh-huh. wee <laughs> Yeah. I did the same thing. I did under the silver lake codes and yeah. Deep sleep. <laughs> sleep like slope. it's not yeah. even a gradual. The first link you click on, you're like, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> it's a cliff, hundred percent. But yeah, I, I think that this movie is interesting in the same exact way. I'm glad you brought up Watchmen and uh, Curse of the Black Freighter because it's the same sort of thing where there's a character in the movie who writes that story. He knows more about the real world or some conspiracy or he has thoughts or ideas that he puts into a comic when that comic influences the audience, us, and mm-hmm. the main character. Um, and so that uh, that that's cool. I think it's a great reference to Watchmen, and I think it's a great concept or a mecha- mechanic or whatever you want to call it. Um, but after he leaves the comic book store, he goes back home and he sees his that girl, the girl from the pool. Uh, he sees her dog taking a shit outside and uh, stops to talk to, like, pet the dog and meets the girl. The girl is like, he tells the girl that his dog died. And I'm like, that's a lie. I don't believe you. Uh, same with the skunk thing, even though I was wrong about the skunk thing. But I knew he lied about being at work so when he talked to his mom. So I'm like, okay, I know you're at least partly an unreliable main character. And so even the, he tells the girl that his dog died and she invites him inside. She invites him inside and they have a, like a, well, the, first of all, they get high, which is one thing. Drugs are like a, the thing. Another reason why I think he's unreliable because he may be on drugs constantly. I'm not entirely sure. And he gets high with this girl and they watch a movie, uh, how to marry a millionaire, which is a famous, you know, movie from the sixties or seventies or whatever. And this girl seems to be like a super fan of this movie because not only is she watching How to Marry a Millionaire, but she has these three Barbie dolls on the desk, and they are in the same outfits. They're the same three girls from the movie. How well, to they're Marry labeled, too. Did you notice they each have like a name card? They do have a name card, and when it shows her on the bed like over her shoulder, she's a poster of the same movie. Like She fucking loves this movie. But the, the scene that they happen to focus on cracked me up the second time I watched it. Um, I'm just going to say it again, folks, there's so many spoilers on this. If you haven't just sat down, watch this, like this will be a big one people. Yeah. Uh, the scene tells you the whole thing, the scene of the movie that they watch gives a whole like twist away of like, it's a giant chamber full of millionaires and us (laughs) like, (laughs) Second time yeah. watching it, when that came up, I hit pause on the movie and was like, God damn it, God damn it, we're like 20 <laughs> minutes into this two and a half hour movie, and they tell you all of it right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> that her obsession with that movie is so perfect and interesting because it does not only telegraph her motives or mind space or intentions, but yeah, it tells you what's going to happen. It tells you her whole motivation of just wanting to be. Uh, married to a millionaire even if it means forever in a tomb or something um it's so it's so interesting and i like that a lot 
But you are quickly quickly forget about all of that when her roommates come home and they're like, hey, we brought somebody. And uh, she's like, okay, you have to leave. You can't hang out, but I'll see you tomorrow. And so he leaves, but on the way out, he sees her roommates, two roommates, with a guy dressed as a pirate. Pirate. The fucking pirate, man. The <laughs> pirate. <laughs> and I don't know what the pirate means. This is one of my main gaps in my, I haven't researched really, but there's a pirate guy who shows up the first time now and shows up several times <laughs> throughout the movie. Um, as we're bringing this up, so I just looked up the comic from Under the Silver Lake because I figure, you know what, what better yeah. time to possibly fall farther down a rabbit hole than like as we're <laughs> falling down a we'll rabbit hole. Do it hole. live. If, yeah. Do it live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pirate Man Under the Silver. Yeah, I was very distracted both times watching the movie by mm -hmm. the dude dressed as a pirate. Like to the point where I probably. I don't know what the dialogue is because I get so lost in like, why is there a guy dressed yeah. like a Goodwill pirate? Uh, <laughs> a Goodwill pirate specifically, yes. <laughs> and like sitting on the couch, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and they're they're totally engaging with him. He's not engaging with them. He just sits yeah. there. He seems to be. At the center of orchestrating this whole thing, at least to some extent, some worker bee, I don't know. But he shows up several times, several different groups of of three girls interact with him. And so it just seems like he knows something. He's part of the system, whatever this underground elite conspiracy system is. Okay. Oh, my God. This could be a dangerous <laughs> one. <laughs> Are you going too far? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm restraining. I'm, okay, but that's wise. A few thoughts, according to Reddit. Yeah, um, the pirate guy could possibly be the handler. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. That does everything for the three women and the billionaires. Mm -hmm. um, another one is that he's a parody of the the mysterious character trope where he's just there. He's kind of yeah. like the way he looks is kind of a joke. Um, another mm -hmm. one is that pirates are often related to or associated with treasure hunts. Yeah. In which Sam, although it's not a treasure, he actually wants to find at the end. Yeah. He's still going on this journey, this hunt, and he uses um, the maps. Yeah. He uses the like, well, the map he gets spot. from, the map he gets from the comic creator literally says treasure hunt at the top yep. of it. That's a good point. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. So it's treasure related, even though the treasure is eternal uh, death and ladies, I guess. Some people think that he represents the fairy man. Uh, oh, of the river sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, That's interesting. Being a pirate and being on the water on the river, that's interesting. Someone thinks that it's the billionaire Jefferson Severance in disguise. That's stupid. I don't believe that. He didn't look at even a, a good disguise. Their body types were way different. So yeah. Severance was all jacked, even though he was wearing that suit. Oh, look, yeah. naked pictures of the owl lady. Um, all right. <laughs> let's let's not get distracted. So <laughs> When, but when they leave the apartment, 
there is a fireworks show going off, and I still don't get the fireworks show, man. <laughs> I do. Yes, I went. So I was I'm like, "Is that the? You. Is that the cue? Is that their it, like?" Okay, you do get it. Yes. Okay. So then I do get it. They walk out the front, and Sam, the main character, is like, "Hey, that's weird. It's late in the summer to be having a fireworks show. <laughs> leftovers? Maybe, maybe they have leftovers. <laughs> yeah." And the girl doesn't really say anything, but she is watching very intently. People have taken the fireworks show, translated it to Morse code, translated the most cord, most co Morse code to English, and when you do that, it says, "I ascend now," which is the oh. her clue, her cue to uh, go to the bunker because she's mm -hmm. about to ascend, and that's the whole thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Folks, so, we're we're not we're an hour and fifteen minutes into the episode, but we're only like twenty five minutes into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and here I thought awesome. like I was all, oh man, this shouldn't be that long of an episode. Oh no, <laughs> possibly fifteen minutes. Into the movie. <laughs> uh, but I think we're covering a lot of later things we are, we earlier because you need to connect all the dots, and it's a whole thing. So it, it, there's a lot to it, here. man. Yeah. Um, but it's not really related to anything, at least that I know of, but I really enjoyed right after that, he goes to his car and it's vandalized by those kids and they like have keyed a dick into the hood and, and put uh, gum on the door handle. Yeah. And he <laughs> sees them down the street and punches that little kid right he in the face. He beats the shit out of those kids. He just beats the shit out of them. Yeah. I don't know why, but I found that very amusing. See, and here I was very, like, simple-minded, but the very next <laughs> scene after that, I was like, nice! It might be my favorite part of the movie, or at least favorite... No, I'll refrain. It's my favorite nod, uh, okay. but not my favorite part of the movie. Uh, but mm -hmm. he wakes up the next day all, like, loungy, all, like, sloppy or whatever, mm -hmm. slaps his hand on the coffee table and happens to pull up an amazing Spider-Man comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, nice touch. But then they decide to go one little bit further. And when he goes to get rid of it, he mm -hmm. reenacts from his first Spider-Man movie. When he first wakes up and realizes that he's like sticking to stuff, he tries to get rid of things by doing that exact same motion with his hand. So I was yeah, like, yeah, out. I was like, Hey, that's a fun little <laughs> nod. Look at that. Of yeah. course. And you see, it's all the gum that, he left on his hand. Why would you leave someone else's chewed up gum all over your yeah. hand? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. Um, also, right before that, he goes home and there's another news scene about the billionaire, yeah. uh, Jefferson Severance. And they mention like how important he is, that he's the face of the city, and he's done all of these different things. And they like listed them. And I like, of course, took notes of all the different things. I'm like, is it important that he did charity work? Is it important that he uh, was a daredevil and he did like dangerous daredevil antics? And then is it important that he's a Hollywood production company? I feel like it is, especially if girls go missing. And I, it, he like hosted New Year's Eve and all this stuff. I'm like, he's so important. This has to be important to me. Um, and it, it is generally, but not as a specific as I had taken notes. Yeah, it, it it's important just to the elite social status that Severance has in the city of L.A., but mm -hmm. that's pretty much it because none of that comes back. It's just, no, he's yeah. really rich and he can afford and a tomb. 
I think the most important thing about that scene is more for the audience. That is the scene where they mention the Copiale cipher um, because it's in like the ticker on the bottom of the news screen that there's Copiale graffiti. And then that has led audience people to be like, oh, there is graffiti in the movie, whether it's in an underpass or a bathroom, like we said. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the hint to that. Um, And then it goes to the, the, like comic book scenes, the live, not live action, but uh, motion comic that you said. Um, and it's all about like the dog killer yeah. and, and the, the owl's kiss and all of those things. It's it, that is very visually interesting. And I like that art style. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I really like the art style that they, uh, they put that motion comic into. It, it just yeah. looks cool. I was like, man, I would read that comic. I would totally read that comic. And then he's that night he's walking through the um, park and with groceries again, naturally. And he's walking through the park and he feels like he's being followed. So he's looking behind him, but then he gets a call from the comic book guy that he had uh, asked to get in touch with. And like, he invites him over tomorrow to like, you know, come and chat. But while he's doing that, he or after he's doing that, he does see a like a silhouette of a figure under a bridge, and it's generally shapeless or fig like featureless. I don't know if you have any thoughts about who that is or what that is. I thought it might be the owl lady. I, but I'm not. I, it doesn't have an owl face. So I'm, I no, but it, it's just the silhouette, and it, it's all dark, anyways. Why would you? The path he walks constantly in this movie. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's like dark uh, park, no lights. It's really scary. It's the kind of setting that just screams, murder me here. (laughs) But uh, I do take it as like the owl lady, the owl's kiss, uh, kind of following Mm -hmm. him around because they do talk about the lore of her. She like she stalks men and uh, seduces them kind of. Um, But I also think it's just an added part two. Since his character is already at this point established as like he is, like he he does look for codes, hidden codes, hidden mm-hmm. meanings, and everything around him in everyday life. Uh, typically, that kind of persona comes with them in, like their paranoid personality, so they're constantly mm-hmm. looking over their they you know they're watching everyone, which could be him always keeping tabs on his neighbors, not just because she's topless. Or hot, but you assume I assumed he probably watches everyone. He's probably trying yeah. to keep an eye on everyone around him at all times, trying to keep everyone mm-hmm. kind of at a distance, um, unless he's gonna get laid. Yeah. <laughs> In which case he's like, Yes. Um but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that him seeing the silhouette the silhouette might not necessarily yeah. actually be there. I think that's just him because he's already kind of falling into the rabbit hole that he's going to be going down. Um, So I I think it's more just paranoia is kind of manifesting itself to him. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. I think being, being paranoid kind of plays into the um, plays into watching all those people and picking apart different messages or codes or um, ticks that you're trying to translate into something else. Um, But I Got ahead of myself. I confused yeah. this 
this park night scene with a different park night scene, which happens a little later. The first one you see, he's walking through the park and sees the dead dog, which looks like the dog that the girl had. And then he sees the girl in the path and she's like a zombie chewing on a person in the path. Well, he, and he then the finds person the dog gets like because of the dog biscuits that are like perfectly lined up down the path to the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. the same biscuits he, he fed the dog. Sam's the dog killer. Um, the same biscuits in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he sees the girl and she's like chewing on a person. And then the person gets like pulled in half <laughs> across <laughs> into like the bushes out the side. And, and, and then he wakes up and you realize well, it was a dream. She's, you don't, she's not actually a zombie as far as you know. And you, and you missed one of the first times where when she looks at him she barks at him as she's trying True. to talk and then he girls bark at him a lot which yes. might mean that he's the dog he's killer. the dog killer he's the dog killer that's one of the main things i didn't have an answer for is why all these women were barking at him but a second ago when we talked about the motion comic that talks about the dog killer, the modern day dog killer, it talks about how he was inspired by an actor in the past who was failed and uh, like jealous of a famous acting dog and then thought all these other dogs were like mocking him and then started killing dogs and that inspired the modern day dog killer, which makes so much sense the more you say it and the more i believe you <laughs> that that must be him that's why he's not working he's a failed actor like everybody else is and all these dogs or women are mocking him and he's killing the dogs or women or both and that's crazy so see and i also it also to me because sometimes people need just a simple trigger uh, yeah, the ex-girlfriend taking the dog could be also the big triggering moment because he's mm -hmm. failed, right? Uh, yeah, she takes the the dog, love all this human connection, and now he retaliates against all these other dogs because they get love, they are mm -hmm. loved unconditionally. I mean, it's dogs. You have dogs. Right. Well, you have several yep. animals. This one right there. There's one right there. Uh, so you know. Pups are loved unconditionally. Like they can be pieces of shit to you, and immediately you're like, "Oh, who's a good boy?" Or yeah. your guys is like, "Who's the asshole?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Sam's a dog killer. He has to be the dog killer. It's the only mystery of the movie that they don't actually actively mm -hmm. show you. Yeah, or like being solved. Uh, but it's the only mystery that mid. It makes sense for him to be the killer. It's the only one that like. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's making more sense the deeper we go. So um, let's see see where we end up. <laughs> um, so right after that, he the girl said, if you come over tomorrow afternoon, we'll hang out. He goes to her house, naturally, as you do when you are invited. He goes to her house, and there's nobody there. He looks through the window, and they seem to have abandoned it. Or yeah, maybe they were never there. Yeah, completely premises. And you, you start to think as the viewer, you're like, was she even there at all? Is this real? 
And so he goes to see the super or landlord or somebody. And they're like, yeah, she moved out. And he's like, who moves out in the middle of the night? And he's like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? By the way, you're late on rent and you suck. So <laughs> you'll be forcibly <laughs> removed if you don't pay rent in four days. I yeah. was trying to keep track of how many days are going by uh, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout the movie that you lose track yeah. of. Because it's yeah. L.A. lifestyle, so like day and night all blend into right. kind of the same thing, just the lighting no changes. Nothing really happens during the day, and the <laughs> nights last forever. You yeah. start at like 11 <laughs> o'clock, and it goes until dawn. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, he... Uh, then you go. I was going to say, he, he breaks into the apartment, because he does... He does, but after he meets his friend Topher Grace's character. That's right, Bar Buddy. Bar Buddy. Is that his name? Yes, that's the character I name. Did. It's Bar I Buddy. I was like, what the hell is this guy's name? But I never looked it up. Um, he does meet him at a bar the first time, and they kind of have a conversation about this girl, and break, and he can't seem to find her online, and then also they bring up the dog killer at the at the bar. And so it's just like an introduction. Nothing really happens there. But Topher Grace comes back, I think, in three scenes. Um, but he does. He breaks into her apartment. Uh, he, like, yes, the, used to live there, doesn't live there anymore. He, in the uh, closet, closet. He, he sees a shoebox and it has a photo of her. So at this point, I'm like, okay, she did exist. Yeah. It wasn't a figment of him, his imagination. Photo of her. He takes that. The dolls of the How to Million Millionaire are there. Uh, he leaves those. And a vibrator dildo thing. <laughs> and the vibrator, which is... <laughs> this might be the funniest scene of the movie to me, and I can't mm -hmm. help but feel... I couldn't find anything on this, but to me it felt like an ad-lib, like he did this. Yeah. Uh, but he's looking at it all like, huh, huh. And then he sniffs it. Yeah, <laughs> and it like shakes his head, like not not oh gross, but like no, you can't take that. <laughs> like, yeah, it was more of like a, you're better than this. Don't, you're not that creepy. <laughs> right. Don't take that. Yeah, but yeah, it just made like, me laugh. You don't know that. I mean, just because her photos in there doesn't mean it's her vibrator. It could be any of the roommates, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or they shared one who knows the, it's who inconsequential knows? like the vibrator doesn't serve any purpose except to be yeah. that little bit of comedic moment uh yeah. because then he hears someone come in the apartment yeah so he ducks out the window this girl uh comes in and takes the box the shoe box out of the closet puts it in a bag and leaves as she leaves she's he sees a symbol on the wall painted behind mm -hmm. the door and it looks like an infinity symbol, but instead of two circles connecting, they're two diamonds, basically. Yeah. And you don't know what that means, but you're like, oh, interesting. A clue. Like, a code. Oh, no, a clue. And if you were Jake, you were like, must write that down. <laughs> yeah. I, did, 100%. <laughs> I was like sketching it just like he does in his little notebook. Um, <laughs> and so he follows this girl who took this box. He follows her, uh, her and... As he's following her down the street, it's interesting because in the background or on the periphery of the scene, you see on all the trees these posters or pictures of um, missing dogs and things. Yep. And it's like, oh, there's a reward if you find this dog or a reward if you find this uh, thing. And so I thought that was good. I always like when there's 
like good set design and things in the background that actually are meaningful and not just, you know, commonplace things. But he follows these girls. He follows them in the car for a while. They pull over. They stop in front of a sign. And it's like a high school uh, sports field. And yeah, a and it's a, it's a scoreboard that's flashing three numbers. Yeah. Seven, and the, five, and one. Yeah, and seven five and one um, is for seven five one Echo Park Lake, which I don't know what that is, but I wrote it down anyway as like a clue. I think it's just a, an address that they go to or mm -hmm. need to go to, and so it's the also girls get back it in the adds car. up to uh, the number that's on the cookie later. We'll get to that. Uh, Seventy six. Yeah. Yep. Uh, someone also had that it equals 13, I think is what someone wrote. Yeah. So a little nod yeah. to numerology again. Uh, then there was one other meaning that I saw, but I quit reading about it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and so he follows his girls, they get into a paddle boat and cross this lake and he gets in a paddle boat and follows them. And then out of nowhere behind this tree, the pirate <laughs> the runs pirate out. <laughs> the pirate runs out from behind this tree, grabs the bag from the girl with the shoebox in it, and runs off. And and you're like, what the fuck is up with this pirate? He's such a weird guy. And Sam's response to that is just, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so that you don't know what that means, but he continues following these girls. They end up going to a party, uh, like at this. I assume it's a hotel or an apartment or something. And uh, he follows them up to this rooftop party. And as they get to the top, or as he like walks out of the elevators, these girls hand him a pin, like a pin that you make clothes with or yeah, whatever. It's like a needle. Yeah, and it's he just walks around this party with these this pin there's a band playing and the band is playing the same song that you heard on the radio from the main girl uh sarah before and so you're like oh that's interesting this connects and the girls he was following the three girls he was following seem to be like into the band or fans of the band mm -hmm. maybe friends with the band and uh the band jesus and the brides of Vam uh brides of dracula that they there are three girls in that band. So three girls is like a main thing that happens. Three girls that he followed, three girls in the band, uh, three girls in the roommates with Sarah. They're all three different. Three girls in uh, How to Million Millionaire. Yep. That's a whole thing. But <laughs> the girl, there's a gr there's a one girl dancing at this party, and she's got balloons like all over she's her She's covered in balloons. Just so many balloons. And you don't know what that even means until people start like popping her balloons with the pins they were given. And he's like, he's not one of those people. He like everybody, she only has like a handful of balloons, not right. for everybody. It's not like this whole thing. And so she, he just throws the pin away. And I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, Oh, that's over. Yeah. Well, um, he has that moment that you as the audience have where you're like, Oh, that's what that was for. And then he just yeah. tosses it aside, which I was like yeah. a little irresponsible to have, sharp pins at a party 
and he just mm-hmm. throws his. I feel like that's a safety issue. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit for <laughs> sure. Um, my, another safety issue is he follows one of the girl he was following into the bathroom and she and he like confronts her with the photo, the Polaroid of Sarah. Of Sarah. Yeah. And he's like, do you know her? And she kicks him in the balls. And he, of course, topples over as you do. And uh, and then those other girls, three three girls come in and start barking at him. Well, they accost him. They're like, you need to get out of here. You can't be in here. It's the ladies' room, obviously. But then they start barking at him, yep. which is a weird, another weird thing. Yeah, because he's not dreaming this time. So now he's seeing no. women barking in real life. See, he's the dog killer. Or his he's, ex he's probably something. screamed at him so much that it caused the dog to constantly bark because they were probably always fighting. She took mm-hmm. the dog. She took the unconditional love. He kills dogs. And he sees women yelling as barking and See? kills them. Yeah. Um, really, so, folks, that's so, the only rabbit hole that matters in the movie, but it's fun to go down <laughs> the others. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so when he leaves the bathroom, he meets this guy who apparently he knows from life. And this guy asks, are you working? And he lies and says, yes. Yep. And, uh, a woman's and then they just, blouse. yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of chit chat back and forth. And then one of the girls from the band comes up. She's like, Hey, I'm doing a solo thing. You can use this to get in. And she gives him a cookie and she's very specific. And she's like, if any, like if a single crumb is not in place, then you won't be let in. You need to use this to get into my show. Which I was like, this might be the most L.A. thing they have yeah. shown in this movie. Not specifically the cookie, but just the ridiculousness and like yeah. the pretentiousness of you have to use this cookie. Yeah. Don't let a crumb fall off. <laughs> yeah, making it so specific, so exclusive at some secret, obscure, trendy location. That's They're making a nightclub out of something that's not a nightclub, yeah. like a crypt or something. Um, yeah, it totally got that vibe that this is just an L.A. reference. It's like, we're being cool right now. Um, but at that party, they also see the daughter of the missing billionaire, and she's just hanging out. And then very awkwardly, they get a notification on their phones that the billionaire has been found dead. And so now you get to see the daughter find out that her dad is dead and not just missing. Yeah. And that's awkward for everybody. <laughs> Her, I like her response though. Uh, she doesn't break down in tears. Yeah, she just like fuck this and just walks away. Like I really like more yeah, authentic. Yeah, and it it felt more impactful to me as the viewer because uh, typically in movies when someone gets that bad news, you know they break down. Which not to take anything away from that, but I felt mm. her response was so great because she's at this nightlife. She's trying to maintain what you would think is like the socialite uh, kind of persona. And now her dad just died. So she's bailing just, all Mm -hmm. right, I'm done. I really Mm -hmm. like how she just quietly walks away. Yeah. I I genuinely appreciate that. (laughs) That actress is like recognizable. Like I've seen her in other things. And so I'm like, he's going to talk to her at some point. He has to, because she's important. She's not just some girl. Um, But when he leaves that party, that's the scene we talked about where he's walking. He gets groceries. He's walking through the park. We already talked about that. The only thing we didn't talk about is that he's hiding from that figure. Yeah. And 
is in the bushes and gets sprayed by a skunk. And you're like, oh, there are skunks in LA <laughs> that are spraying people. And so he gets sprayed by a skunk. It's all smelly. And so he needs to go home and And he's got like one of the highest pitched screams ever, by the way, (laughs) which will make you laugh out loud. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Uh, And so he goes home and gets in the bath with like tomato sauce, uh, as you do. And uh, Ricky Lindholm character brings him that and is reading like the comic book. And there's news about, well, there's news about the uh, billionaire, an important thing about the another this last news thing is that he when they found him it wasn't just his body um he was with three girls again three girls comes up and he sees uh they say that one of the girls in one of her in her bag had a dog um who's dead and you're like oh no was were they killed by the dog killer and then you think um the, the the breed of the dog sounds like the kind of breed that sarah had Mm -hmm. and then one of the cops is carrying a hat that looks like her big white hat that she always had he even matches it up and you're like oh shit sarah's dead uh, or appears to be dead her hat's there and there's three dead girls um so that's probably the case um and so that's weird and interesting (laughs) (laughs) but then he's having the bath with the girl that he's having sex with and uh and they that's the first reference to the owl's kiss where she's reading the comic the comic references who is the owl's kiss and um the owl's kiss seems to be like a seductress or succubus or some thing or person or creature you don't really know that comes into people's houses she's got the body of a woman she's always naked because she seduces men specifically Mm -hmm. uh and then she's got the face of an owl yeah or the mask of a or the mask. Um, taxidermied owl or something. Yeah. And yeah, she goes, she kills men while they sleep in their beds, basically. Um, and then, uh, and then this is where the girlfriend asks about the notes again that he had by his bed. And that's when he tells her, I noticed a weird thing about codes or secrets in in uh, society and i noticed in you know how like in old records or albums if you play it backwards there's like a satanic message or something he was thinking about that and watched wheel of fortune of all things and noticed Whoops. a weird thing about vanna white and how her like movements or looks uh, look like a code so he's been taking notes for months about her movements to see if he can figure out some code or secret that she's trying to pass on and so his 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 thought is if there's some secret infrastructure uh or if entertainment isn't just for us but they're actually using it to transfer messages like the elites are you as the viewer it's not like it's specifically catered to this whole other group of individuals whoever it might be yeah. i have it playing right next to me oh nice <laughs> yeah i was like all right i gotta see this uh and little, then I, I like the detail that she keeps her nose plugged during the entire yeah. scene and i like oh that's interesting so i've got it playing next to me have you noticed uh-huh. but while he's talking on the tub uh there are three cans 
of tomato juice sitting behind him. And then there's no. one completely separated in front of him. No. So they're like away from each three, other. But the there are three girls and the man. Yeah. Because it, it is interesting. Because the three behind him are in like a pyramid kind of shape. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Huh. I did notice that. I saw the IMDb thing that was like that bathroom scene, um, the color of the teal tile. Yes, yeah, the shining. Is, from yeah, the reference to the shining. Yeah. Huh. Um, but right after that, he is actually you, you, he's actually watching Wheel of Fortune, and he sees someone or hears somebody out in the pool, and he goes out and looks, and it seems to be Sarah, and you're like, oh, maybe you're not dead. But it ends up being another dream, like the like the zombie dream. Yeah. Um, and but the interesting thing about the pool scene is that it is very much or exactly like Marilyn Monroe's last movie that wasn't released because she died making it. Um, but it's like you can find that footage online, and it's it's a, it's very much like that uh, scene where she's in the pool, except for part where she barks at him i don't think marilyn monroe did any barking no i i highly doubt it but yeah they filmed this scene this was part of like the fun production tidbits where her scene in the pool is almost shot for shot of mm -hmm. marilyn monroe's like final footage of that the movie that she was filming yeah so it is interesting yeah of course she does monroe doesn't bark this girl does <laughs> she's barking yeah, right it's now true. <laughs> it's true <laughs> Um, and so the next morning he wakes up, he sees cops outside, I assume at her apartment or old apartment, and then goes for a walk and is following this girl again, staring at her ass. He does that a lot. Um, but you notice if you are not staring at her ass, you notice she's carrying a headshot and uh, like a, a lot of girls in Hollywood do. And he follows her. And then you notice there are a bunch of other girls on the sidewalks and intersections, also in similar skirts and heels, carrying headshots and follows them to like just some guy's garage, apparently at a casting call. And they're all lining up outside this dude's garage, which is weird. But on the street in front is spray painted again, beware the dog killer. Mm -hmm. Like this is a thing that's like, it's like some of son of Sam where like the whole city is like, taken by this terror that's happening in the in the summer it's kind of crazy um and, and then and these girls the girls are like we don't even walk our dogs anymore because this guy's so crazy or creepy or whatever and then his car gets towed away yeah he gets his car towed <laughs> because he's uh, not making payments on it um yeah and, and well he and then he walks to go see the comic artist um, which was a really fun character or scene or actor. Um, the comic maker, comic man, is uh, Patrick Fischler, who is my favorite part of the Mulholland Drive diner scene where mm -hmm. he's like doing the whole conversation. He plays this guy who's like a big conspiracy theorist guy. And uh, he's got like a ton of death masks of famous people. Well, he calls them life masks. But they're called death masks. And that yeah, kind of bothered me that he, he gets that wrong. But that's yeah. one of those things that I felt was so intentional because he, like, they are life yeah. masks. And I was like, no. No, they're not. I know this. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> knows they're death masks. But, yeah, he must he intentionally thinks about them in a different way or something. It's weird. See, I get such heavy creeper vibes from this guy. But, mm -hmm. like, you're supposed to. 
I think. Yeah. His, his scene is great. Um, I do have to laugh every time. Well, the two times I've watched it now, three, because it's playing. <laughs> um, yeah. But when he's talking about the life mass and he lists off a few of the celebrities. So he's got like Abraham Lincoln's face is up there. Johnny Depp is up there. Yeah. Uh, but he like, he pauses for a moment and he's like, man, I need to get a family. And at first you're like, oh, he's realizing what a loser he is. And then yeah. as you are mid thought of that, he's like, that way I have someone to pass these on to and I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn it. Dude. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you were so close to being self-aware. <laughs> Yeah, I love that scene so much. <laughs> uh, and this guy is super interesting because he's he's the creator of the comic. He's obviously putting all these secret, um, not secret, he's putting this story together, these messages. He's a conspiracy theory guy who knows all of these things. And uh, one of the most important first things you learn is that he uh, Sam shows him the symbol that he saw in Sarah's apartment, the like two diamonds next to each other. And uh, this guy is like, oh, I know what that is. That is part of the hobo code. And in mm -hmm. the hobo code, you put these symbols all around town so that other homeless people know what's up. They're kind of, you know, you can pass messages around. And so that symbol means stay quiet, which is yeah. such a generic, secretive uh, thing that doesn't mean much yet. It's clearly uh, it's a symbol you need to focus on <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it has popped yeah. up a few times and he's following you already know that he's following down a path that'll probably get him in trouble so being mm -hmm. told with any kind of mystery film whenever your lead character or any of the uh i don't want to say main characters but any of the important characters are starting to find themselves getting closer to a, a truth reveal they're mm -hmm. always told you got to stay quiet. You got to be careful. You got to do this. So for him to finally get it, like, uh, oh, I just lost the word fuckers uh, <sighs> get told what the symbol means. And it happens to be stay quiet. It's like, it follows a very, a pretty rigorous, actually like detective st story, mm -hmm. uh, like plot points. Like, Hey, mystery your title character is kind of an unseemly you're not really you don't know if you're supposed to actually like the guy or not but you know he's going to be the one to solve this uh he's following down this mystery he's following the clues solving the clues yeah. oh more added mystery to it um it's a spider it's not the owl lady that, that's such a <laughs> weird thing but i love that they put this in the movie um but yeah him like i love that he's got the little pamphlet literally titled the hobo code and it's just yeah. full of page after page after page of like all their symbols that they pass to each other. And then yeah. he's like, that's when he starts talking about the owl kiss and hidden meanings, hidden images and everything that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's like he focuses on the, the hypersexuality of all of it, which with all the images they show you, you're like, Wow. Yeah, you can't really deny that subliminal messaging. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's like one of the most grounding things of the movie the, or the story. I think is that yeah, there are very overt hidden messages or subliminal messages in media, in advertising, and all of these things. And so, if you, it doesn't take much to connect those and say, oh, we want you to 
think this way or believe this mm -hmm. way or whatever, manipulate society through all of these things. If there was some overarching goal or theme, um, it would be effective. It is effective. It, it so is I, effective. <laughs> I, I think that's so interesting. And one of the main things that makes you buy into it, basically. Mm -hmm. and, and he talks about how he talks about the lost and found signs and he's like, it's not just for dogs. It's also for people and even musical instruments. He thinks that there's like a big, some big conspiracy going on. It's not yeah. just a dog killer out there, you know, but yeah, he talks about the dog killer. He talks about the curse of the whale, which doesn't come up, but that is a thing he mentions. And then he talks about the owl's kiss, um, which is crazy. So what I was mentioning too, so he shows Sam on the dollar bill. And for those that grew up in like the eighties and nineties, I remember this being a thing for yeah. us kids. Cause it was always fun to be like, look what's on there. Ha ha ha. And the top right corner of the front of the bill, dollar bill mm -hmm. specifically, mm -hmm. we always grew up thinking it was like a spider. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I was always told. What were you always told that it was? I didn't know anything about that. The, my first introduction to hidden meanings in the dollar bill, um, obviously the all-seeing eye and the triangle like yeah. Illuminati stuff, but second was if you fold it in a certain way, you can create the September 11th like it's thing. true, yeah. The Twin Towers and the, and the smoke and all that stuff. Which is kind of crazy. It but yeah, crazy. in the top... It's it's right on you know the number one that has that like design around it that Victorian kind of looking thing. Uh, there's yeah. this image where it's super tiny. It kind of looks like a spider. It's such a fun little thing from like our childhood, mm -hmm. and they bring it up in this movie. And they, the comic man tells Sam like, "You see this? This is the symbol of the owl's kiss. This is her." Mm -hmm. And you're like, "What?" No, but I like that they yeah. brought that into the movie because I've never seen anyone ever like talk about that. Mm -hmm. I think it it's just a fun, stupid thing. Sorry. And I'm trying to prevent it. Jake from going down a rabbit hole, by the way. <laughs> he uses it as an interesting like secret society thing where yes. if it's on the money, then it anything that uses that money is under her domain. And then right. that means everything in society is under their domain and, and it could get super... Uh, crazy from there but yeah i i agree um but then he takes sam into his like hidden room yeah little, like crawl space area to find the object that proves his theories on everything and it's the back of a very retro cereal box <laughs> yeah hey uh there's a there's a map that it looks like a like a like from highlights or something. It's yeah. like just some kid kid friendly kid map, um, and he's like, "This is the secret to everything." <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, crazy," uh, but he and thinks it's like a key that because it perfectly geographically is to scale of Hollywood and like their area um, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. He says, "So you're like, I guess." Well, and even Sam is like. It's just a cereal box. And he's like, no, this is the key. This is everything. If I can yeah. just solve it, I'm vindicated. Uh, which is a big, that that's another theme, I guess, to the movie is seeking out vindication for mm -hmm. like stuff that we think, that we believe, that we let yeah. ourselves get caught up in and stuff. We need to be vindicated in, in 
all of that. And it, it, yeah. sometimes vindication can come, but at what price? So yeah. Uh, well, well uh, and specifically what lengths will you go and what gaps will you overlook in order yeah. to feel right? And because that's easier than admitting that it didn't mean anything or that you were wrong or whatever, or, <laughs> or that the things you overlooked are really important. And if yeah, you don't right. overlook them, it ruins your whole theory. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, my theory still stands. <laughs> <laughs> so right after that, he goes to uh, meet his friend from the bar again. What'd you call him? Bar guy? It's bar, bar buddy. That's his bar actual buddy. character name <laughs> on like the credits it. list is bar buddy. So it, he meets Bar Buddy, uh, and they're going to fly a drone across Silver Lake to some model's house. And she's not there, but he tells him that she's going to come home eventually and get naked, and it's great. So they wait around. It's peeping Toms of the 21st century. It's kind of yeah, gross. peeping on her through this uh, drone. And during the wait, they talk about paranoia and yeah. like their generation and society and... Um, how we use paranoia to kind of cope with life. Um, but well, and so he's got an interesting, he's got an interesting quote to me. I wrote it down um, yeah. and you and I already kind of touched on it earlier, but the actual quote, which it, it just sticks with me because uh, mm -hmm. it, it feels real, but his quote is like, who needs witches and werewolves anymore? We have computers. I swear to God, yeah. at the very least, the entire population is suffering from mild paranoia. See, our little monkey brains, they're not comfortable knowing that we're all interlinked and routed together now in some kind of all-knowing alien mind hive. And that shit is a straight-up cesspool for delusions, for fear. I yeah. love that because it's yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% the thing that like connected with me most that I mentioned at the beginning where I, t I totally agree. I think that... There's there, we add paranoia now because we're all connected and there's no lack of mystery or information anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. But then the, the model comes home and interrupts mm -hmm. his monologue, which I, I still feel like I want to hear the rest of what you had to say. Yeah. You're on but a roll. We never do. Uh, because the model shows up and they're like, Ooh, here we go. Showtime. And as they zoom in, she's like taking her shirt off, but that's where it stops because then yeah. she just begins to weep. And to me, it's kind of like, she's like letting herself have a real moment and they're seeing mm -hmm. a real moment in Hollywood and LA, which is unknown. Yeah. <laughs> which is not yeah. what you see in LA. I got something <laughs> very similar from it where, they focus on that scene for so long. Like yeah. they they're that scene draws on where they obviously these dudes are interested in the fact that she's going to take her shirt off. She does. And then she just sits there in her bra and jeans crying. Um, and that's the scene like holds and zooms in slowly on her for so long. And I agree. I think that it's a, it, they were so interested in the superficial surface um, sexuality of the of the situation, but it kind of is they they lose interest or it's it's uh, not as there's, it's anticlimactic in a way mm -hmm. for them that they wanted that superficial um, sexual thing, and then they got something very real and sincere and honest, um, and that's. <laughs> 
And so they just kind of like, well, I guess this is over and leaves. Yeah, like, they, like there's, they don't really have any dialogue after that. It just cuts to him going to this like indie film showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, I'm, I guess <laughs> it's like that SpongeBob movie. He's like, all right, I guess I'll head out. <laughs> right. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I think is is meaningful. It, it's It's weird if you like are just watching. You're like, why is this? chick crying and why are we focused right. on for so long but i think there's a lot of meaning there actually and then at the indie film he uh he sees the two actresses are mm-hmm. watching the movie next to him but they're leaning on alfred hitchcock hitchcock's tombstone yeah with and so some they're guy. they're watching a movie in the hollywood cemetery which is a thing yep. that happens a lot they show old movies there um i know that because i've seen princess diaries and I've never actually been, um, and yeah, he's he, he shows <laughs> up late. That's true because I saw it in Princess Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up late, and he hears these two girls behind him talking, and yeah, they're like, "Oh, that's us. We're in this movie." Um, and it's yes, yeah, some weird movie. The interesting thing about that is that that scene playing on the screen is like a recreation of this writer and director's first movie, "The Myth of the American Sleepover." He like yeah. recreated it for this. Um, but he, they are yes, leading against the grave of Alfred Hitchcock, um, and then they, when they leave, they get in the back of a limousine, and to reach out and close the door, you see the pirate again. It, but this time, instead of just having like the eye patch and a striped shirt, like Smee from Peter Pan, now he's like decked out as a full pirate. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got the hat, the feathers, the coat. And yeah, reaches out, closes the door, and. Sam is just kind of left with like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, this is a weird mystery we're in. <laughs> and, and then and so Sam He goes go to the he goes to the secret show that that girl gave him a cookie to get into. Like good for him, he held on to that cookie. Um, and as he's about to get in, the bouncer's like, You need to take a bite of that. And he puts the whole cookie in his He eats the whole cookie. Which like, at first I was like, good on you. It's kind of a, like, this is ridiculous. I'll just shove the whole thing because they were so specific of you have to take yeah. a bite. I thought it was like, uh, show my dedication. Just let, like, I am super into this. Please let me in kind of thing. Huh. Um, but yeah, uh, that comes up to bite him in the behind. Because yeah, it does. <laughs> that is a drug cookie, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes to the bar. He has a a little conversation with his buddy from the rooftop again. Mm-hmm. And then he sees the, the balloon girl. Yeah. But now instead of a, a bodysuit, a balloon, she just carries around a single red balloon. Yeah. Why? I still can't I figure out why. <laughs> I was like, that's her thing. That's how she's known. That's the only thing I can figure it's, out. It's how you find her, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I liked, I really liked the setting of the scene. Like it seemed, even though it's like a, oh, this is a trendy Hollywood thing. I was like, that's kind of cool to be at the Hollywood Cemetery in like a mausoleum. Like it's very obviously yeah. that they're, they're in like a, a, a mausoleum with like statues and graves and things underground with lights and drinks. And it's kind of cool. Um, and the girl who was in Jesus and the Brides of Dracula is playing music and they're handing out records of that, of their album, not her she's solo, like- but- this first song is dedicated to the man that changed my life. I love him with all my heart and dearly. And she's like, this song is for Jesus. I can't yeah. help but laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. 
Like that comes out wrong, but I don't care. I, it made me yeah. laugh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but the, so he, yeah, he meets the balloon girl. They hang out. They end up, she's like, do you want to go downstairs? And they go downstairs to like a crypt like below the mausoleum. There's like a dirt crypt area, but at that too, they have turned into a Hollywood scene with, yeah, like the tables are tombstones and, and drinks and stuff. Yeah. She pulls a balloon out of her bra and blows it up. And you're like, what is with the balloons? This is so fucking <laughs> weird. Yeah. They go yeah. to dance. And uh, mid-dance, she tells him, like, hey, we should go fuck. And he's like, yeah, yeah we should. <laughs> and then the cookie kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's when you learn. She's like, how much of that cookie do you have? He's like, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So he, he goes and keeps up in the bathroom for a while. Uh, actually, right before that, they have a conversation about um, – he starts to kind of tell her about secret messages and she oh, dismisses yeah. it where she says that it's like a silly waste of time on things that don't matter. And life is too short and all this stuff, which is I kind of uh, tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's like, she's there's a lot of these moments throughout this movie where sub characters tell him as he's trying to mm -hmm. tell them about like secret messages and this mystery, they tell him like, dude, there's no answer. Stop looking for him. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. It's not there. It doesn't matter. Focus on something else. <laughs> it's a very tongue in cheek movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then after he, he like, um, he comes out of the bathroom, she's not there anymore. So he leaves and then he sees the, another girl and he starts chasing her and passes out and, uh, in the cemetery and wakes up the next morning to a call from his mom and his mom has a very similar conversation with him where she's like, the movie I told you about, I recorded it. Can I send it to you? Do you have a VCR? <laughs> do you have a VCR? <laughs> He's like, yeah, mom, I totally do. Just go ahead. Yeah, that's whatever. But after he hangs up with her, he notices he passed out in front of the grave of Janet Gaynor, the lady mm -hmm. his mom was a fan of that she was just talking about her movie. Uh, he was like sleeping on her grave all night, which is kind of crazy. So just real quick, because yeah. you were going down the the coded rabbit hole a lot more than I did. Okay. Because I have restraint. Oh. <laughs> Do you, though? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> did you happen to look up what the graffiti in the stall that he pukes in says? Uh, I do have that here. Yes, of course. I didn't look it up. You. I'm just curious. <laughs> um, the wall, the... Da, 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 da. The, that's the graffiti in the bathroom that translates to coffee menu, which leads oh, okay. you to the, okay. to the coffee menu at the beginning. That's the um, Cap Capiali code um, yeah. there. I think it is the same in the bathroom okay. as it is in the um, the overpass. Where's the overpass one? Uh, yeah, I think the the overpass one is just a, a look at it. But yeah, the bathroom is the is the one that says coffee menu. Okay, okay. And then the coffee menu says Morse code, and the Morse code is all of these letters. And then you put all the letters together, <laughs> and uh, you get what three words, and then you get the the E's, and then you get the what three words geocode system. Oh lord! Oh lord! So he wakes up yeah, in the go. cemetery <laughs> next to the tombstone. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so he he goes home and he's hanging out with Bar Buddy again. Mm-hmm. And he's reading a book called Code Breakers and his friends playing Mario, uh, Super Mario Brothers or whatever. And then they have this conversation, which is very funny. And he's talking about how their generation of young men are obsessed with video games and codes. And while they're playing video games and reading about codes, it's pretty funny. But that's the conversation about craving mystery because they live in a world that has none left. Yeah. Uh, which I like that as well. Um, and then, <clears throat> And then he starts like full-on investigating. So he got the record at that uh, girl's show. He puts it on, listens to the hit song. Then he starts playing it backwards and like trying to listen for a secret message, you know, like you do with music from the 70s and 80s. And doesn't really find anything. He's writing all the lyrics down on a pizza box and then um, and then starts jerking off till he gets bored, I guess, and starts jerking off. <laughs> he starts jerking off to a lot of stuff. It's like yeah. he sets up this whole collage of possible yeah. turn-ons for him. And it's like barely any of it is overtly sexual. Like he has his Playboy <laughs> magazine, some like Sears lingerie catalogs, and then like just random shit. One is like the girl's <laughs> photo, Sarah's photo. Um, but yeah, he just, collage is a good way of putting it. The weird one is like a tabloid cover of the billionaire's daughter in like, she's like grieving. Like she's yeah. sad. I'm like that. This is not, you know, J O material. <laughs> uh, but he sees an ad for an escort service and he recognizes the girl in the photo as the girl from the cemetery that was in mm-hmm. that movie. And so he calls her and hires her, puts her on a credit card apparently. Um, and so she comes over and apparently their whole escort services thing is that they are that one girl that appeared in that one show that one time that you may know and you can have sex with her whatever or see her naked or whatever your thing is well it it reminded me of like uh from la confidential how the escort service in that movie is where hey you Mm -hmm. can you can purchase your night with a woman who will look like this actress or look like who can be that persona for you. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what this escort service reminded me of, of like, Oh, that's kind of what they're going for is mm-hmm. you can have a girl that can be that character for you. Yeah. You I thought that, I thought that too, where they can be like, they can play out whatever fantasy or whatever yeah. you have. But also when he talks to balloon girl later, he learns, Oh, you are, roommates with this escort girls or you work with them or you're friends with them or whatever does that mean you're an actress and she's like yeah i was an actress for a month between the ages of five and six months i was on a soap opera and i'm like that doesn't count but (laughs) apparently that's enough to count to be a famous child actor i guess i don't know um but the uh hold on i scrolled my whole shit down here we go um so he he is with this escort girl. Uh, he asks her about the pirate in the limo that she got into, naturally, obviously. And she's like, I don't know his name. He's anonymous. I don't know anything about him. But she does recognize Sarah's photo on the uh, fridge. And so he saw she saw her at some party. She was like art in a cube or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she mentions she mentions a movie producer who makes big action films 
based on household cleaning products, which made me laugh a lot. <laughs> I was like, they've really scraped the bottom of the barrel for uh, known properties. <laughs> right. And, like, like, and it's any cleaning product, even like Mr. Clean will have his own action movie now. Like, That's funny. <laughs> But she says that they would always go to like these parties with like big, and then, and then she could like just wander around. But the only house they weren't allowed to go to was the biggest one in the block, and it had a music. It was owned by some music producer. Yeah, they so call him the songwriter. Yeah, and so that's uh, important. That comes back later. Um, but as he's playing, she leaves next morning. As he's playing like the song from the album, he's still trying to crack that code. He figures out that if you count the numbers of uh, letters in each word then take that number and count the number of letters on like the liner notes of the, the cardboard he can put together some message and the message he puts together is rub dean's head and wait under newton and mm -hmm. so then he tries to figure that out he realizes there's a bust of um of D james uh, dean. dean martin james dean thank you bust <laughs> of james dean at the hollywood observatory he goes there and he's like rubs james dean's head and then sits under isaac newton's uh statue or it's kind of it's interesting they don't like mention it but there's like an obelisk which is a very yeah. famously illuminati symbol kind secret of thing. society kind of thing which is fitting considering the character you meet next yeah might be one of the most random like this character when he popped up mm -hmm. immediately i was like what the fuck <laughs> like <laughs> I can handle the the squirrel at the beginning. This this movie's fucking weird. Yeah. Why why is there this like dirt king walking up to him <laughs> like this this guy wearing this paper crown and like a torn up super dirty robe esque mm. thing? Uh, and then you find out <laughs> he's the king of the hobos. He's the king of the homeless. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh no! What he's this <laughs> dirty guy with a paper crown, and he says he's the homeless king of the homeless or homeless king, and he's like tells him to follow him. He says he saw him do the code. He saw him rub Dean's head, yeah, and he's been sitting there. So he's like leads him blindfolded, um, and they they hear some coyotes in the background. He's like he tells him, "Don't be worried about the coyotes. Just follow one if you ever see one," and that's important too. And then he, they get to a cave, and he takes the blindfold off, and refuses to tell them what he are, where they are, but then just closes the door and leaves. And now <laughs> Sam is in this cave alone, no idea where he is. <laughs> and uh, Sam starts looking around, and it's like a giant room. It, it's got boxes put into it. The lights are still turned off, minus a couple. And he's looking around, and he's like, it's a fucking bomb shelter. And yeah. you're like, why, why did he get led into a bomb shelter? So Sam finds himself, he kind of wanders through, finds a way out, and it pop he comes out mm -hmm. behind the cooler, like a milk cooler in mm -hmm. a convenience store. And then it has one of the just most random moments for a character. He just grabs a half gallon of milk and just starts drinking out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's poor as shit. That's why he is poor as shit. Although his apartment is really nice. I like his apartment. Um, well, it's easy when you're not paying for it. Yeah. Uh, but the, the interesting thing that grabbed me about the bomb shelter is uh, 
it's obviously just like a normal dirt cave for most of it. But then he gets to an area where it seems to be like carved out of stone, like almost yeah. Egyptian style. Um, the entrance to the, the cleaner, newer bomb shelter part with drywall and stuff is like an Egyptian entrance. And I was like, that's specific and weird. It It is both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of specific and weird, after he gets the milk, he goes to the comic book guy's place and about like, he's going to tell him what he's been discovering. And there's a cop outside and says that, uh, oh, he's not here. He committed suicide. We've been investigating. And so he's like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And he waits for the cop to leave. And then he breaks into the comic book guy's house. And when he gets in there, he discovers... Yes, the blood bed is all covered in blood. Um, and then he remembers that the guy, the comic books I had, comic book guy had that secret room with all of the cameras and screens. Oh yeah, we he, didn't mention he has all the security cameras. Always. He says, spe- he says specifically that he set up all of these cameras because he knows that the owl's kiss could come and kill him, and he wants to like capture it, not let anybody like get away with it or know yeah. that he know that no no that's why and so sam plays back the security footage and yeah there's a naked lady with an owl mask <laughs> who comes in and uh goes into his room and it's scary and creepy as crap well and he so as he watches the footage of her walking down the the hallway and going into the room he rewinds it and then pauses it right before she walks into the room and she's looking right at the camera and you kind of get the sense that she's looking at Sam, which yeah. is another, to me, feeds into like the potential delusion that she's been following him mm. since the start of the film. She's been mm-hmm. keeping an eye on him and now she's like letting him know, hey, I'm watching you if yeah. she's actually there or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's as she moves in such a, weird ethereal way that you don't feel like oh it's some lady in a mess like she feels not human she like walks in such a creepy weird way that you're like maybe you're putting it on but maybe you're uh, an actual specter or succubus or something something, possibly Uh, so he takes the cereal box with the map on it he uh, he he's calls the guy from the party or earlier and asks if he can get in touch with this Jesus guy, the lead singer of the mm-hmm. band, because he needs that. Um, and this is where, he, as he's walking by, all these dogs are barking at him um, while he's on the phone, which is notable, as you pointed out. Um, but this, his friend invites him to a party where people play chess. And it seems like just another eccentric LA party. Um, he sees the escort girl there and the balloon girl there and the uh, dark haired girl like he focuses on them i think one of them was from the coffee shop at the very beginning Uh, and he sees the jesus guy from the band is there and so jesus goes to take a shit and uh sam barges in and punches (laughs) him in the face and beating the shit pulls him off the toilet (laughs) naked and and uh yeah and beats the crap out of him and essentially tortures him for information and the guy's like i don't i didn't create those songs on my album that Mm -hmm. created the code to get you to hear i i would was just told to make that song well the 
the hits he did not make. He was just told right. to record what they gave him, but the rest of the album he did make. But the hits and that yeah, that's very specific. You get right away like, oh, there's something to this, and then you find out, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another thing that was very grounding to me because I think everybody knows that there are songwriters and then those songs get given or sold to certain artists. And so mm-hmm. um, I know there are a lot of like Britney Spears hits were shopped around as like, yeah, Britney could do that or Christina Aguilera could do that or anybody could do that. It depends on who wants to pay top dollar or who we think should do it, who we want, who we want to make a star. We will yeah. give a big song to. Um, and so that's not, it's not their music. And so I was like, that's, this is getting real. This is getting too real for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go down some rabbit holes for sure. And he did. He did. <laughs> um, and, and so they, they walk to the, he tells the escort girl, because he remembers that she said that one guy's house that she couldn't go into, he was a songwriter. And so he's like, where is that? Let's go yeah. there. They do. He walks right in the front door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <I> was <laughs> For like, a place this is... no one's allowed to, he he just kind of walks. Yeah. Just, like, he does just his walks own thing. in uh, and he starts like asking about the codes and, and about the tunnels and all this bomb shelter and stuff. And, uh, and the guy's like, I don't, I don't know anything about like, I'm not, don't know anything about that. I just am writing music and I just, I make hits and he has all of this like memorabilia. Um, the same obviously clues in on Kurt Cobain's guitar. He's super like, I love this guitar. This guitar made all the music that I love so much. Yeah. So he like picks it up and carries it around. But this guy who's like a super old, uh, ugly looking dude, he's like giving this big monologue. This is probably like the biggest, my favorite monologue of the movie where he's talking about there's uh he he doesn't worry about the messages and the songs per se he just passes it along like he will put them in the music uh he's hiding it away for the people that know it's there mm-hmm. and but he he this guy is responsible for writing every piece of music that Sam's parents grew up with that Sam grew up with that Sam loves uh, everything and not just old pop songs but movies TV shows yeah. every all this stuff Anything has pop messages. culture, he's been, he's kind of like the guy behind the curtain who's been putting all these codes for yeah. the elite, for the, the upper class, if you will, to decipher and find. Yeah. And he puts all those messages in the music. And while he's delivering the monologue, he's playing on the piano licks of songs that you know, which is yeah. the best part where he will play, uh, famous songs like he'll play a little Backstreet Boys music while he's talking and then he'll play the theme from Cheers and then he'll play Nirvana and it's like oh my god like you're believing him as he's talking and <laughs> and and that's that's like he's describing that's what pop culture is like he doesn't care about all of the what's fashionable or what's cool all of that silly and meaningless he made all the, but he made all the songs that we love and all these songs that we love that we feel like give our lives meaning, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're meaningless, essentially. That was the interesting thing about this scene to me, where you can see, and this I think goes to Andrew Garfield's performance a lot, is 
you see on his face, he loves Nirvana. He wears Nirvana t-shirts. He has Nirvana poster. He is holding Kurt Cobain's guitar very lovingly. As he learns, Kurt Cobain didn't write, uh, like, entertain it us. It smells like teenage spirit. <laughs> yeah. He didn't write that song. That song's not about this. That song wasn't written in this way in Seattle, in this place, by this person going through this situation. And it's so you can see on his face the meaning of that and a connection of that to his life drain, basically. Yeah. Because that that's a, a, an interesting thing. Like, I think that goes to the co whole conversation about the movie, which is there's no meaning. But even the fact that there's no meaning, all of these little things, people can create <laughs> the, meaning. Yeah. <laughs> people do that with everything. And so even these songs the song itself has meaning though just on the surface what it is and what it's about but the way that you believe that song was made and the people that made it and how they made it and the situation um all of the context around it adds even more meaning and so for all that to be destroyed all of a sudden was so interesting and how it like his connection to that is just gone all of a sudden yeah and that's crazy which by the way I still like that song. I still find meaning in that song. Fuck the old songwriter <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I still like my pop culture, goddammit. But no, it's it's an interesting thought, though. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, a grounding moment for fans of pop culture in general of uh, are you fabricating meaning or are you so desperate to find meaning in everything or certain things that you'll just mm. create meaning for it. Does it actually have meaning to it? What was, yeah. I, I think it's an interesting question. Uh, I do agree with you watching Andrew Garfield, the way he plays his facial expression, just learning everything that he feels has been kind of fueling his mm. existence, how, what he's based his existence on to be completely torn apart and taken away from him, have that rug mm -hmm. kind of taken out from under him. He does a great job of showing that confusion leading to emptiness, to just pure hatred <laughs> and <Yeah>. anger. <laughs> like that's all that he's left with. He's been stripped of ever, all this other stuff and now he's just angry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. And I think it's, it, it, that feeds into an, a larger problem, which this scene kind of brings up, which is culture in general. So many people, and this is going to be weird to say, considering we have a movie podcast and we're people who like uh, culture things, but so many people's personalities are based on cultural things or yeah. pop culture's things, especially in LA, I think. And so all they have an interesting line, which is... Um, culture our culture is just the shell of other man's other men's ambitions like mm -hmm. those people are doing those things for their reasons everybody else is kind of latching onto it but it's not personally meaningful necessarily depending on what it actually means or if it's real or not or why you like it um but it's it's not as personal and so i i think that's that's on a cultural level these things can be created just out of nowhere because they're popular or by powerful people to make somebody important or successful. And then 
everyone kind of just fills that void and props it up in a way. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting to think about. I believe his sincerity for the most part, but he starts going off the rails at the end there because he's like playing old classical songs like Beethoven and Bach. Yeah. And he's like, I wrote that. I wrote that. I'm like, dude, you're not that old. Like, <laughs> even if I subscribe to the theory of these elites who are using like stem cells to stay alive longer than normal, you're not old enough to have written these crazy, like famous medieval. You're not songs. from the 1600s, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not... And so I'm like, well, maybe I don't believe you now. I don't really know anymore, but it, it kind of like it escalates pretty quick um where Garfield starts screaming at him they scream at each other and the mm. songwriter pulls a gun out of nowhere and <laughs> opens fire on him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's one of that's probably one of my favorite scenes as well where he he pulls out a gun starts shooting at him Andrew Garfield's hiding behind all the things there's a really like comedic timing moment where he like pops up out of behind <laughs> yeah. this Amp, and then he ducks behind and the guy shoots a gong behind him. That was funny. Um, and then it's a, the first gun's a revolver. So he runs out of bullets. He pulls out another gun yep. uh, ne right next to him. I'm like this dude has two guns when he's just playing the piano. What a baller. Uh, and then, and then the Andrew Garfield uh, takes Kurt Cobain's guitar and smashes this dude's face in. <laughs> like, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, it's satisfying, but it's, it's hardcore. Like, uh, kind of <clears throat> but that's cool i like that i like that whole i like the <laughs> the back and forth i like the action i like that's probably like almost like the climax of the movie for me in a way yeah um well and then we we go back i mean the movie doesn't let up on the oddity at this yeah. point because then sam's back at home and he hears a crash like like glass breaking mm. and he's got a gun so he's yeah. he's, he's got that guy's gun he yeah he's got that, that guy's, guy's pistol gun. uh the weird thing though before you get into this which nope. is going to be a deep thing he as he's home there's like a thunderstorm That's going on <laughs> there's a thunderstorm going on and he's watching another old black and white movie yep. and i don't know the movie i meant to look it up but uh the guy on the tv is talking about like Run, you fools. Can't you see that they're after you? They're already here. You're next. All this stuff. And it's like, this is, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, it could be aliens. It could be whatever. But yeah, he hears a window break, takes the gun to investigate, and there's a, a hole in the window. So he's like going up to investigate it. And, and then he sees the leg. See, you see, yeah. he doesn't see you as the audience. You see this leg come out of something. Uh, it's like, like under the counter or something. <laughs> and the owl's kiss shows up in his apartment, kind of creeper horror lady walking behind yeah. him. Yeah. And uh, he w turns around holding the gun and she like makes whatever sound the owls make, like not the hooting <laughs> sound, but she like, I don't know what to call it. Uh, <laughs> She makes an owl exclamation and uh, yeah, he like turns around and startles her and she runs off. She runs off into the room. He chases after her and like 
he goes into the room and she's completely gone. Yeah. Just and then can't find her. And then he gets the knock on the door and it's a cop and his landlord trying to forcibly remove him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's, that seemed kind of, uh, convenient, I guess that, that, <laughs> that changed the mood of the scene, even in, she he doesn't get evicted. She's like for no real reason lets him stay one more day. He doesn't yeah. really even convince her. He should, the cop just lets him stay one more day. It's kind of weird. But after he's allowed to stay one more day, he sees outside a coyote knock over a trash can, and he remembered what the homeless king said was, "You should follow it." So he does in his pajamas. And it takes him to a party, of course. Uh, there's always parties going on in Hollywood. And the billionaire's daughter is there in attendance. And uh, it's <laughs> the, one of the funny things at all these parties is the conversations that just happen. Uh, there's always weird, funny conversations that make you laugh. Uh, this this party had several, as in fact. But he runs into the girl from the billboard and his ex-girlfriend yeah well yeah, you find you, out she's his ex yeah you find out she's his ex-girlfriend and she introduces him to her fiance so you're like oh it's probably been a while and he's been spiraling and yeah uh, yeah uh, you're like oh but that makes sense and they talk about how she, her work's going with the billboard and he lies about his work that's going well and all this stuff. <laughs> i saw your billboard oh which one oh there's more than one yeah he's like <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> like Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things about him going to this party, he shows up in his pajamas and not a single person bats an eye. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is normal. <laughs> and they're like, just no one gives a shit that he showed yeah. up in pajama pants and a t shirt. They're probably like, like this asshole is just trying to get attention. <laughs> right. Trying to be different. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Uh, he runs into or meets the billionaire's daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. Finally, they have a whole conversation, and she's in front of admiring a painting from Janet Gaynor again, the lady that his mom is a fan of, and uh, the he happened to have slept on her grave recently, so they have that in common. Uh, but they they have a whole conversation about uh, how he knew one of the girls that her dad was found with, and so they kind of. Uh, have a whole conversation that interests her. They end up um, talking. They, they don't really know anything about her father's death, but uh, because of that, they end up going on a walk. And on the on the walk, on the look, they're walking on the sidewalk, um, and they're talking about what you. Apparently, you they cut forward in time where he must have told her everything because she goes. So, what do you think it means? And yeah, and uh, you get the impression that he told her everything that he learned about the situation. And they pass like a community memorial for like all of these missing dogs, and uh, that the dog killer has uh, apparently taken, allegedly taken. And so she starts to like worry it's not safe to be down there. And they have a conversation, which I think is funny, which is uh, they say anyone who would kill a dog wouldn't think twice about killing a person, which I tend to agree with. I think if you have the ability to kill the most like noble, 
lovable loyal (laughs) animal uh trusting animal and if you're willing to betray a trusting animal like that yeah you'll kill a person no problem oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i was like well usually with these killers they start off by killing the animals and then they Mm -hmm. decide to escalate it to humans because the animals are like practice that's uh yeah yeah which is why i thought the dog killer was going to feed more into the missing girl because i was like oh that's you know he killed the dog in the handbag must have killed the three girls and apparently a billionaire i don't really know where it's going but i thought that was interesting uh they have a they pass a homeless guy and they have an interesting conversation well they pass the homeless guy who asked for change and obviously he's wearing his pajamas so he doesn't have any change um and they kind of curse each other out but they has an interesting conversation about homeless people and how he sees them like ghosts because they're on the fringes of society watching people live their life and eat delicious food and fall in love and all this stuff but getting more jealous and bitter because they can't do that and have that and i think i see that i see like a ghost or a poltergeist or someone being trapped in that way and being frustrated Mm. in that way so i thought that was an interesting conversation as well yeah uh i think it also kind of plays into him although because he's about to be homeless like Mm. he's he's gonna be evicted he has nowhere to go he's already kind of a bum i mean he for sure (laughs) doesn't work he doesn't even try uh so it's to me the way he views them is possibly a way that he either views himself currently or mm-hmm. he's kind of in this denial or entering a denial of what he's about to, well, could potentially become. So he's trying to latch on to any kind of connection validation for existence, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that a lot. I think that's true. Uh, so they walk to the reservoir and go skinny dipping and as one does as one does and then she she uh lets him know that she thinks she's being followed and skinny dipping was just a way to kind of get away from whoever's doing that and so that she can tell him or give him a bracelet that uh that she had that she thinks is important and well it was her dad's bracelet yeah um and she like passes it underwater and she's trying to be quiet about it and it's got engravings on it and it's it looks almost identical. Obviously, you don't know what the engravings on Sarah's bracelet, which is something mm-hmm. we forgot to touch on. Because mm-hmm. when Sam tries to look at it, Sarah pulls away from him so that he can't see it. Yeah. And now he's being given a bracelet that's either the same, not like that exact bracelet, but the same style, same engravings, mm-hmm. possibly. I thought um, it was the exa- like hers. I thought it was Sarah's at first. It could be. You never really know. Yeah, um, but I now I think that it's more everybody involved had that same bracelet and yeah. it was like their instructions or whatever. They they receive a bracelet with an engraving that you will come to find out what the necessary what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as they're like talking, and she gives this uh, bracelet to him. Someone opens fire on them and they yeah, gotta this like, it's like, it's like getting real. Like nobody's actually tried to murder them yet. There was, I guess there was that one guy, the, the main 
music maker. What's the name? Songwriter. But other than that, it's not like I didn't think someone was following them, trying to kill them until now. I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. This is real. So they open fire on them and they go under the water to try and like stay hidden. And Mm -hmm. the daughter ends up taking a bullet to the chest. And as Sam sees her bleeding out underwater, it recreates the cover of his Playboy magazine. Yeah, exactly. That is like such a coincidental, like that can be playing. That's just like a thing that's like, oh, how bizarre is that a reference to my life kind of thing? Uh, when life imitates art. Is that yeah, the phrase? there you go. I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. And so he, um, uh, he wakes up the next day because he runs home naked. Yeah. That's why wouldn't you grab your pile of pajamas? Just (laughs) naked. Uh, (laughs) But he like he's looking up the at the bracelet and it's got NPM uh, and then some numbers and he's trying to figure out. It's like H six to G four or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So he pulls out the the chessboard and he's looking at H six and G four. That's not really adding up to anything. He goes online and looks up. What does NPM stand for? And this made me happy. I was uh-huh. so glad they have this in this movie. Um, because when he looks it up, in, in a lot of movies, when they look up some obscure combination, like abbreviation or whatever, mm-hmm. they seem to be able to find what they're looking for within a click or two. Or like yeah. they just scroll down the page and it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I really like the detail of him scrolling and nothing that's on the screen means Mm -hmm. anything to him. I was so happy that it didn't mean anything for him (laughs) right away. I was like, thank God. (laughs) I googled NPM also to see what I would get. And also the second search he does, which is what does NPM mean or something like that. And yeah, it didn't help me. It was all like some JavaScript acronym (laughs) thing. But the more I thought about it, uh, it is true, I think, proven, obviously, that Google and the internet tech gurus suppress information. They control the algorithm of what, what's pre- returned when, and they can put things that they don't want you to see later in the search <laughs> or not at all. Google doesn't return everything on the internet. Like You're not going to get stuff on the dark web from Google. You're, you're not going to get most things from Google. Um, yeah. And so... You get different things from Bing than you get from Google than you get from DuckDuckGo. Like all of this stuff is controlled. And I, th- I kind of thought that it was something that was controlled. That's why it didn't show up. Oh, see, I was I was going for the non-rabbit hole version of that. Of no, just, this is real. It's this about is a- time a movie showed him trying to search something up and it wasn't just right there on the first page. <laughs> I was happy about that. It's but like then real they follow life it up. because real life is the God damn it. This. God damn it. <laughs> But they follow it up with one of the funniest realizations I think I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. He's all frustrated, like, oh, what does NPM stand for? Mm-hmm. And then he looks over and the light bulb dings. Not <laughs> yeah. literally. He just figures it out. Yeah. And it's Nintendo Power Magazine. <laughs> Which he happens to have a bunch of issues stacked up in his living room. But more specifically, it's issue number one, which which he he also happens to have. (laughs) Yes. And he opens it up. Now, this was a nerdy moment for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not a gamer, but I do 
my fair share of collecting stuff. I've got some comics that I've collected that stay in yeah. their protecting protective sleeve and all this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's collecting these magazines, because he opens that one up, he's handling it without a care in the world. He starts writing on the map that he opens up in it. And I was like, oh my God, the collector <laughs> nerd in me was like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. But it makes sense because he's like, wait, this is working out. He looks up G mm-hmm. or H6 to G4 and it, it looks like there's actually a connection there. Yeah. And then he looks over to the table. Well, yeah, the, it doesn't totally match up because this is some Mario world that True. does that doesn't really connect um, until you're right. He looks over and sees the cereal box, and inside the cereal box there is a version of the map that we saw before that happens to be transparent that he <laughs> opens up and pulls out and overlays. Uh, on top and yeah and is able to figure out where in la h6 h6 is the reservoir and g4 is uh hollywood mountain or some shit yeah and it, it lays perfectly on the nintendo power magazine mario map it yeah that is how it that was like the basis of it um he looks up the, the images on google to find out what is there and it everything else is like shown Here's Jake's suppression moment. But the spot that he's specifically looking for, there's like a bunch of little tiles that are like image not available. And he's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is there? And then he goes running for it because you yeah. can when you're in Hollywood. And that is a thing. If you go to Google Maps, there are certain areas where usually because there's like a secret government base or something that you're not, that you're not allowed to publish satellite imagery from there. Um that that's true. There are black holes or black spots in uh, yeah. the global map. Uh, so I thought that was funny. But yeah, he goes there, just hikes out there, and uh, it, there's another. I wish they had done this more. Used the hobo handbook. I, that was kind of the most interesting part to me. Was like the secret symbols around town. They only do it twice. They do it for the well, um, I, stay quiet or whatever. Yeah, I, then, I'm with you on the the handbook. I wish they would have used that a little more, but I also kind of wish they would have used kind of like the homeless community, I think serves a bigger part to the story than what you ever actually see. Especially in LA. And especially in LA and especially with like being introduced to the homeless King, you, you meet him a couple times. Um, I, I kind of wish they would have shown a little bit more of that part of this rabbit hole of like what their mm-hmm. role in this whole grand scheme actually is. Cause I yeah. think that'd be really interesting uh, to see like, cause this movie, you get the sense that they're a little bit more in control mm-hmm. than what the perception for you as the audience or the people living in this world give them credit for. It kind of reminded yeah. me of like John Wick style, you know, where the homeless are actually part of this, assassin yeah culture it's so, more of a job than just a, a lack of it or yeah, you, um, yeah they're not just meandering they're actually there for a purpose so i'm with you i kind of wish that would have been utilized more yeah but he sees on a rock three diagonal lines and in the hobo handbook that means this is not a safe place yeah. and that's 
ominous and interesting. It's, but he continues anyway, as of course. Because why do. wouldn't you? Yeah. And especially finds, in a detective story. Especially in a detective story. And he finds up in this mountain, in this black dead zone, a shack. And leading up to the shack, there are these weird pillars uh, mm -hmm. that are like four or five feet tall. And uh, inside the shack, there's, I thought it was four chicks at first, but it's a dude and three chicks. And they're all in these white, plain, basic white dresses. And uh, and you're like, is this like a midsummer thing? What's about to happen? <laughs> I was confused. And then the guy turns around and just nonchalantly talks to Sam and just starts yeah. telling him everything. Just like, whatevs. Yeah, he's like, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm I'm here because we we have this you know we're rich and powerful and we have this thing where instead of dying we would we're going to ascend to a higher plane in another mm -hmm. universe and in order to do that we lock ourselves into these tombs which was the bomb shelter from before and we live there for a while like we're not just like we're not dead we're just going to live in this tomb lock ourselves in we have three women and we have sex with them and we eat and we watch TV and we just hang out until we get ascended, whatever that means, and go to another. It's like the most exclusive club ever is kind of the vibe I got where very elite people are allowed to go. Uh, you go and it's like the best time ever, but uh, there's very exclusive and you're not and most people aren't allowed to. They only have enough provisions for six months. And then after that is whenever they ascend after provisions are mm -hmm. all used up. Um, but yeah, they're like so nonchalant about it. He shows them a picture of Sarah, the other two women, and the billionaire that you yeah. have been under the impression blew up in their car. Uh, nope. Turns out he's just a super rich guy with his own... Mm -hmm underground tomb yeah much sarah, like sarah and her two roommates were essentially the three girls from how to marry a millionaire who just yep. became the eternal wives for lack of a better term of that the billionaire that disappeared they all disappeared together and, and it's the egyptian kind of mentality to it is based on like the pharaohs they even tell yeah. them that hey we're doing this because this is like continuing the pharaoh tradition of the pharaohs were buried with their wives, typically yeah. three. And uh, it was like considered an honor for the wives to, to be buried alive with their, their pharaohs. And yeah, the thing that was the most fucked for me was he's like, but they, they found the billionaire Jefferson severance's body. And the guy is like, no, they found a body. They found some <laughs> dude's body who had, all of Jefferson Severance's teeth, some of his skin, and all the organs he could live without. I'm like, this dude is so rich, he did elective surgery to remove as many organs as he could, have all of his teeth replaced with, I assume, fake ones, and, uh, and some of his skin, and then just put it on this guy, fake a death, and that's it. I was like, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, well, and the, the dude that Sam talks to even tells him, like, hey, this is a cheaper route than just having someone murdered to do this. Like, yeah. oh, my God. But you, <laughs> Sam is told about the, I mean, it's 
the secret society is essentially just the ultra rich that mm -hmm. view themselves on such a, a higher, I, I don't want to say standard because that that's wrong, but mm -hmm. a higher plane than everyone else that they're allowed to do this, that their amount of money they're allowed to just do whatever the fuck they want with it, which yeah, you are, you are, don't yeah. get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> like to, to have this cult mentality, this, this hive mind mentality of here, you know, the man is like continuing this Pharaoh Egyptian mentality. Like it's not good. Like guys, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So but they, then they tell him that, yeah, Sarah's still alive. She's in this tomb with this other guy. Yeah. And they we can call her on the phone. Like we have a phone, a video phone even, and you can talk to her. And so he does. And at first it's like like have a conversation and he's it seems like he's gonna try to convince her that she's making a mistake. And she's like, Oh, I'll take this call in the other room. And then she goes in the other room and it's kind of anticlimactic because she's like well, I can't get out even if I wanted to, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make the most of my situation, basically. Right. Well, and she tells him because he he's like he's trying to find and rescue her, and mm -hmm. she has that line of like, "You hardly know me." Yeah. Kind of a like, what is? Why, why is are you so, so obsessed? For, you? Yeah. Why Why am I so important to you? And he's just kind of like, I feel bad for his character. Because the last half of this movie is just like constant disappointment for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and near death experiences. <laughs> right. You're like, dude, you're goddamn. He's yeah. just like, she, you know, she decides, well, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to enjoy my time down here, like what you said. And he's just kind of left with that, like, well, there's nothing I can do either. Like, what the fuck? So now yeah. he's left with knowing that. Not only will Sarah starve to death, or you assume starve to death unless they decide to yeah, take, take matters into their own hands, um, but the two other women will be doing this. That The three women he's in this tiny shack with, they're going to be doing this, and who yeah. knows how many other right. people are going to be following suit. It's, it's like, what a just gross way to have a twist get like <laughs> revealed to the audience <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty <laughs> fucked and pretty depressing um and then the, when he first got to the shack they had offered him some tea and so he kind of takes a drink of that totally like kind of absent-mindedly i think which first okay they offer him the tea mm -hmm. immediately in my head i was like well don't drink that like, <laughs> Why would you accept anything from anyone? Clearly right. it hasn't worked out for you leading up to this moment. And then he just. Yeah. Word of advice. Don't accept anything that you put inside your body from strangers. You just met in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Not in even weird... a cabin. It's like a straw shack. <laughs> yeah. In weird uh, matching white gowns. That's yeah, you can tell it's, like, all super ritualistic. Stay away from that, people. Stay away! <laughs> Here we go. Make better life decisions. God yeah. damn it, fucking <laughs> cult mentalities are bad. You need to stop it. Rant done. Okay. Uh, and so, right, the tea is, of course, drugged, obviously. Uh, and, and he realizes that as he's about to pass out, 
a the ground opens up and there's a hatch and the homeless king comes out. <laughs> the homeless king shows up. Again. Of course he does. <laughs> and and so he you know comes out and 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 takes him to a like a stone room uh and they have a whole conversation, another interesting conversation. Um and the guy says uh <laughs> A guy says that this isn't a world that anyone with any sense spends any time worrying about. And I kind of get that because as somebody who does <laughs> spend time worrying about crazy conspiracies, it, it, it'll, if you get too deep, it'll make you crazy and it'll suck your oh, life it'll. away and you'll get super depressed if you get really into it on the internet and you're like, wow, this is really terrible. We are so fucked that nobody knows, nobody cares. I'm, this is like, there's nothing I can do. You feel helpless. So yes, he's right. He's right. And, and for someone who does not fall down the conspiracy rabbit holes <laughs> on the internet, um, mm -hmm. but happens to be like best friends with someone that does. <laughs> uh, I'll let you know. Oh, I, I I see it every like every day. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean it's entertaining how you do your version of, and I mean this so kindly, Jake. I know, I know. Bringing awareness to everything. <laughs> I'll try to wake up the sheeple, man. <laughs> No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just fucking around. No, I used to be a lot more sincere and it did stress me out, but I yep. like the comedian and watchman. I realize it's all a joke and who gives a fuck. And it's, yeah. it's, it's more fun and silly for me now, but it's also, if you care, it's real. You can look it. scares it. the shit out of him, folks. It really look it does. Up. It, it look it up. <laughs> uh, but it, it is funny hearing home, that. Yeah. The homeless king says that we are living in a carnival, and he's not wrong. It is a he's giant carnival. Yeah. <laughs> the clowns are definitely out there, uh, mm -hmm. which I had to laugh as he's telling him about like that. And then you see the image of the billboard being yeah. changed, and uh, the yeah. billboard has half a clown face. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of alludes to a certain restaurant chain, fast food mm -hmm. chain that's out there. But obviously, I'm sure with copyright <laughs> stuff, yeah. they're probably told like, no, 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 no. But yeah, the very, idea very is... much looks like Ronald. But he also has like a tear on one eye, kind yeah. of. Like, uh, um, what's who's that? Like Pagliacci, which I guess is another Watchmen reference. Um <laughs> I'm curious to know how many were intentional Watchmen references from this uh, writer. Or if but we're just picking those up because... Could be because we're dorks, yeah. Because we're dorks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he he, you think that Sam is boned at this point and he's not going to make it out alive. He's chained to a chair and being... Uh, right. <laughs> having this very existential conversation with the homeless king. Um, but he ends up being like let out, like being allowed to leave and, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is actually, actually pretty good. The, the homeless King, this is the scene where he does confront him. He shows him the dog treats in his pocket. And he's like, why yep. did you have these? And he says, that's when I, that's when he says what I want to believe, but believe less and less, the more that you convince me that he 
his dog didn't die, that his girlfriend had a dog and he wanted to reconnect with it and maybe win back his girlfriend. That's the wholesome version. The real version is luring dogs to murder them. So he I is murdering dogs. <laughs> I get it. If my neighbors can hear me, I'm sure they're probably like, why does that guy keep shouting he's murdering dogs? He's murdering <laughs> dogs. <laughs> uh, so he goes home, gets more groceries again. He's about to be evicted. I don't know why you bother. Um, but he gets groceries and he gets saltines and orange juice, which I should have tried you to. You totally miss this, yeah. Yeah. It, or when he first meets Sarah, she's like, saltine and orange juice is like a secret combination that's great everybody should try it um he does i never have i don't know if it's good um that could be a good beer in the future if someone wanted to use i know i've had beer with graham crackers so you could make beer with saltines why not and you go I, from orange juice to and saltines so to saltines beer. and orange juice you could have a beer citrusy hoppy saltine are you out was, of your shitty beer or something? I was trying to think of like beers I could get that would apply to the episode, and that was the closest I could think of, but it doesn't exist. So somebody should make one, and then it would exist. That's all. <laughs> See, even Murphy's like, no. <laughs> yeah, he's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, so they, the weird, last, I guess, last weird thing that happens, the old lady, she's not an old lady, an older lady, um, comes over, who's his neighbor. She's like in a blazer, but still obviously topless underneath. And they have sex. And I, apparently she knew well, that he, he was He goes her. to her place and they have sex at her place. Yeah. And then he like, he goes out to the patio to have his post-sex cigarette, mm. which is a thing apparently in LA in this movie in 2011. Yeah. Uh, but kind of a, to me, that's just another like little play on the the old film stuff right. because every time characters had sex in older films, you mm. light up afterwards. Right. So he's on the balcony smoking away, watching the landlord and the cop come into his apartment. Yeah. Looking for him to evict him. And then his landlord sees the stay quiet symbol that's mm. above his door. He painted it on his door. wall. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie, I mean, it ends with this landlord like yelling about the painted symbol on the wall, and Sam's just on the balcony across the way smoking a cigarette. Yeah. It's some, like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so apparently he's going to live there now. I, I don't know what he's going to do as far as figure it out. But Well, it's funny because the movie, you feel like there's resolution in the search for Sarah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't know exactly where she is because they talk about how much it takes to create the tunnels, create these underground layers. And they're just kind of all over. So you don't know ex actually where she's at, uh, yeah. but you get a feel of resolution, but not completely because mm -hmm. there's so many un answered things like the owl's kiss, like the squirrel. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things like what the parrot is saying. 
he even asks the lady what her what her parrot is even saying. Like, I was like, okay, we're going to get resolution. She would know what she taught it. She doesn't know. She doesn't give an answer. She's like, I don't, I don't know. She says, I don't know. When I looked up the thread, that person was like, that's what the parrot is saying. It's a joke. Uh, and then when I showed you, you were like, I don't like that. And then when I was reading the rest of the comments to that, everyone was unanimously like, nope, that's not it. We don't want to believe that, <laughs> which almost makes me believe that that is in fact it. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things. Uh, the one last thing about the landlord and the sheriff um, coming in to evict him. We mentioned it before, or I mentioned it, uh, the geocoding of locations. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, one of the codes the, for the three dolls, the three Barbie dolls in Sarah's apartment when he's wa she's watching um, what, How to Marry a Millionaire. Those are those characters, and they have their names, Betty, Marilyn, and Lauren. Uh, but those are the names of the actresses. But underneath them, there's like symbols. And those symbols you can decode to reading uh, Tombstone Sheriff entries. And if you put tombstone sheriff entries in the what three words um, geocode place. It takes you to a grove of trees close to Mitchell Pink and Sphinx's crest, um, which is like the Sphinx and Egyptians and all that stuff. Valley of the Kings, um, like burial of the mm -hmm. pharaohs and all that stuff. So that's one thing. Also, there's a lot of tombstones in the Hollywood Cemetery and all of that that happens. There is an entryway into the crypts where you get the bathroom message in the club for all of that stuff. So it, it, it gets fucking wild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing uh, that that is related to the main thing of the what you said, that uh, this may not mean anything or this may just be generally life uh, normal things. This doesn't really mean anything. It's just the way life goes. The names of the main characters, Sam and Sarah, uh, they are a, I don't even know what this word is, portmanteau, portmanteau of samsara, which in Buddhism, samsara is the beginningless cycle of repeated birth. Uh, yeah. So it's mundane existence, dying again, all that stuff. And that is kind of the film's theme of death and reverse death and rebirth. And it's just mundane and consistent and you can't really stop it. That kind of thing. So it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of shit in this movie, <laughs> but that's the end of it. We made it to the, we end. made it. We made it. Uh, yeah. It's the end of the, and like I said earlier, I mean, I, I still stand my ground on my opinion that, all of the like the crazy stuff that throws you us down these rabbit holes of trying to figure out all the codes, figure out all the clues, the mysteries, how do you connect everything? Mm -hmm. um, I really, really strongly feel all of that is just constant like red herrings just thrown yeah. out there because we are essentially Sam getting lost in this own in our own like obsession because the movie really deals with a lot of obsession. Uh, I think they show obsession in a, an interesting way mm -hmm. where instead of him being like this nervous tick kind of character living in a dark room, he's still interacting with the world around him, but he is like mentally degraded because of his obsession and because 
losing his girlfriend and losing out on love and all this. And then finding out everything that he, he has been seeking meaning in, seeing meaning in codes and clues and all this has no meaning. So that totally destroys him. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I still stand that the, the true mystery of the movie was who is the dog killer. Mm -hmm. And I still stand my ground that it's him and that everything else was just there as kind of a way to poke fun at people like us, at, at cinephiles that take movies a little too serious or yeah. too art housey, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think it pokes fun at all of us. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I think that's true. <laughs> that's the most consistent, um, consistent message. And, and the beware the duck killer thing, even though it's not resolved. I think, I think that's, that's true. Uh, another hint that I didn't mention or code is the very first scene when they're in the dine or the coffee shop or whatever it is, when they have Beware the Dog Killer on the glass. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go inside, there's all those people in line. One of the guys has like a green shirt on and it has all these animals on it. Yeah. If you use the first letter of all those animals, it's basically spells Beware the Dog, Beware Dog Killer. It's like B-W-A-R-D-O-G-K-I-L-R. Um, and yeah. And so like, that is like a, a thing that continues throughout and it's i think it's just for fun like you were saying that and like sam's bar buddy says that this is just something that human beings do we crave mystery because there's none left in the world uh, right live in an awkward time i mean if that was the intention i think it's well played that yeah we crave mystery we crave something to solve Mm mm-hmm the movie gave us an actual mystery to solve and we all, cause every comment I read you mm-hmm. and I talking about it, even that first time I was watching it, mm-hmm. we all completely ignored the main mystery of who's the dog killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just latched onto this giant rabbit hole mm-hmm. that took us to rich people buying underground tombs. <laughs> Right. And it's more, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know why it's more interesting or, I mean, fun's the wrong word because it's ultimately dark and terrifying, but it is kind of more fun to chase the, chase the rabbit down the trail of a global elite lizard person conspiracy who runs the world and has a secret society of Illuminati or whatever. Right. Then it then it is to admit that this person that you've spent two hours with is a killer of dogs and probably possibly people. Uh, you don't want to admit that to yourself, and so don't ask those questions. Just ask the ones that don't actually matter because you can't do anything about it. Right. To that end, um, though, the one last conspiracy that I didn't bring up, and you said uh, at the very beginning. You didn't have an answer for the owl kiss or owl lady or whatever? Yeah, I still, like, I can't tell or decide, was she actually there? Is she just something he has seen because he saw her in the comic mm-hmm. or in, and got told about her as he's, like, falling deeper into paranoia and obsession mm-hmm. and clues and all the, you know, the hidden things in the world? Yeah, um, I I have no clue. I I, don't I have no know. opinion on her. I really don't. 
I don't know that I have an answer on if she's real or not. I think that her, being a product of his paranoia is very plausible, but I, I do, I tend to think that she's more real and that she's just a person. And I tend to think it's more interesting if your boogeyman is a person anyway, but I think that her symbolism is a very specific reference to like the Bohemian Grove, um, like elite pedophile thing that mm -hmm. Hollywood has going on in it. Bohemian Grove is like a, a very famous like gathering of those kinds of celebrities and stuff that have a giant Moloch, Moloch owl figure as their like symbol. Um, yeah. And so I think especially being center based in Hollywood, that seemed appropriate and probably on the nose. Could be. Who knows? Could, could be. Can be whatever you want. That's kind of the fun part. Yeah, this is uh this is definitely one of those movies where I really feel anyone could have any kind of opinion on what everything means. I think it's not just a rabbit hole. I think this movie <laughs> has so many more rabbit holes that like I didn't let myself go down. I don't think you even went down, yeah. uh, but could Mostly easily find yourself going down. I mean, yeah, I, when I looked up Mulholland drive stuff, I was able to be like, all right, this rabbit hole is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm done yeah. with it. Right. There's a couple of interesting ones. Yeah. When we were looking up, uh, uh, the empty man, some of the yeah. rabbit holes on the empty man, you're still able to like come to a stop where you're like, okay, I, I think yeah. I've figured something out. I'm good. Mm -hmm. This movie. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, without even realizing it, like how the fuck did I get down this Reddit thread? Like, yeah. how did I find myself on like page six of Google searches mm -hmm. and I'm actually clicking on the links? What? <laughs> Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like, do you remember when Lost was really big, like season four, when they had like uh those like online games or scavengers yeah, but yeah. between seasons that were like very much just leak out a clue and then let the fans find it and and they're searching online maps and websites. Oh yeah. And they, they built like whole fake websites with fake backstories and fake videos and stuff to like feed the feed the frenzy. And I think this movie did it in a less orchestrated way, but maybe even a more clever way to just let people run with it. Yeah, where it, they tease you that like during the end credits, they give you a like a code, and then they give you the cipher. They're like B equals A go for it and then people are like okay i figured that out that's just the title of the movie no big deal right but what if there's all these other codes everywhere else and there is uh, yeah it's crazy yeah i i think this movie must have been crazy fun to make between <laughs> the writer and director and and andrew garfield because he's in 99 of the shots if not yeah. every shot of the movie he's in yeah um, you know they had to have had conversations where maybe at one point Garfield was like, "Man, this is like, what does this all mean? Are we trying to figure all this out?" And part of me has to think that the the guy that wrote and directed it had to look at him and be like, "It's 
I'm just like, fucking with everyone. No. <laughs> no, we're not going to figure it out. And that's, that's how I want you to play some of this. It's just you're fucking with everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, but that makes it... When I was watching it again the second time, that's what made me realize that I actually really loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it felt like, okay, dude, you caught yourself going down this crazy rabbit hole. I haven't done that for any movie yeah, ever. <laughs> and this one made me do it without even like, I didn't even realize yeah. I had done this and that, right. that's kind of scary, but in a, a good way where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. that's how easy we can all fall down. Whatever rabbit hole we're, we're going down. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I love it. Cause when I had that thought for myself, it was like, okay, <laughs> Don't be Sam. Don't be Sam. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to end up obsessing and not paying the rent at some point. <laughs> right, right. But no, I, I genuinely enjoy this movie. I really do. It's so weird. Yeah. And on the surface, that first viewing of it, it makes no sense. Like, I was so mad at it that first time I watched it. But I, I feel like I get it for me, whether it's... yeah anyone whatever but i still definitely this is one of those movies where i'm like i want to get a big group of people that haven't listened (laughs) to our show yeah and i just want to sit them down and be like we're gonna watch this andrew garfield movie and -hmm. just sit behind everyone or like just off to the side and not watch the movie but watch them yeah soak in the what the (laughs) fuck faces (laughs) right yeah, that'd be very entertaining. I think that would be hilarious. Just to, and then when the end credits go, be like, "So what'd you think?" Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the writer director to have literally done that with every person in the media, every person in Hollywood, <laughs> and to just see their face as they saw it for the first time. That would be hilarious, yeah. like an insight. I think trip. that'd be funny. Yeah, and I. When I get around to actually like having a physical copy of it, I I do want to watch it with the commentary because part yeah. of me still hopes that like they'll come out and just say, "Hey, we're just fucking with everyone. We thought this would be a funny, weird idea." Mm-hmm. But then I think, what if it's another Pleasantville disaster where I watch it <laughs> and they don't talk about anything regarding to what I want to learn about the movie and just go on yeah. like some rant that'll piss me off. Yeah, could be. So I don't know. I think I'll just stick with my own thing. Yeah, you've decided what it means, and that's yeah. all you need. But it's a fun movie. I did have fun with this one, Jake. I really did. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I and, got and the, worried. The more I was watching it, I was like, this could go either way. <laughs> and the cult stuff in this one did not actually bother me like most cult things do. Mm-hmm. Because, one, it was just so weird to me. Yeah. But also that second time watching it, because at that point I had just decided like, oh, this is all a joke. Yeah. So taking that was just a like, okay. okay. <laughs> good, good. But fun, like coincidence. So I go and see Death on the Nile, mm-hmm. which takes place in like 1937, 38, something like that. And, and they are obviously in Egypt and they're looking at like old tombs and stuff and there's a whole scene where they talk about the pharaohs and the the three wives 
wow. being entombed together. So <laughs> then I saw this movie and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's an interesting coincidence, right there. I just I watched Is it two a movies. I just happened to. Yes, Jake. It's Are you a sure? Oh my! Maybe God. you're the next Sam, and they're trying to piece the things together. Have you checked Man, your cereal boxes lately? I, I don't have the patience, <laughs> and more, more importantly, the attention span <laughs> to yeah. follow down. Some kind of crazy rabbit hole like that. Yeah. I just, I don't, I'm not wired that way. Not that's wired fair. that way at all. That's fair. So that's Under the Silver Lake, everyone. Uh, yeah. I hope you guys watched it before listening to Jake and I. Uh, I hope you still go watch it, even if you listen to us before watching it. Because it's still, good. we always say this it's one thing to hear you and I dissect a film, uh, but it's a whole nother thing when you actually sit down and watch it. Cause there's some stuff yeah. that obviously will, will jump over or just kind of skim through Yeah, that maybe you'll latch onto. So go watch it. I think some movies try to trick people. And once you know the trick, it's not as good. I think this movie is a good movie because even after you know the story and know the trick and hear all the things we pointed out of like, Oh, this specific thing means this, or it might mean this. Yeah. You could watch it and like it even more because of all those little things you may have missed. So yeah, def yeah. definitely a good movie. So let us know if you watched it uh, or if you've already seen it, which yeah. and what I'm assuming thought. not many people have, but let yeah. us know your thoughts. Uh, next week should be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a, a kind of free form episode again. We got a couple free forms coming up actually. Yeah. Keeping it loosey goosey. Yeah. Uh, that's mainly my fault because working overnights makes trying to watch a bunch of movies during the day kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah. um, but next week we are talking video game movies. Yeah, video game and, adaptations uh, into movies. And why they typically end up being listed as like the worst movies. <laughs> yeah. And why that's mostly Uwe Boll's fault. Because <laughs> he apparently has made half of them. <laughs> so we'll be diving into that. I'm sure we're going to rewatch a couple. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, Jake is dead set on making me rewatch at least, at least one. one. At least one. I'm curious to know which, if, you know. if there's any others. That, oh, I know what one you want me to watch. I'm oh, dreading okay. it so hard. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm also going through a list to see like what ones I want to rewatch. There's a few yeah. that I was like reading the list and just having memories of watching them, being like, "Oh man, that one was bad." Yeah. But it'll be interesting coming from you and I because we're not gamers, so yeah. I think that that'll add some interesting uh, perspective on those movies. So yeah. So that'll be next week, everyone, and uh, do all the the shenanigans. You know the drill. Yeah, you guys know it. Uh, but more Shout importantly, out. go buy your shit. <laughs> yeah, my, I got my confirmation that mine shipped today, so hopefully that'll show up in the next few days. Nice. Yeah, go. We have merch. You can find it at moviebars.com or on our social media. Um, it is wicked discounted, as cheap as possible. We're making no money on it, so it's just for you. But in a month or two, we're going to replace it and never have yep. it again. And uh, so if you want it, if you like the current style, definitely pick it up. Yeah. And we, we got some stuff coming up 
that should also be a lot of fun. Definitely. Uh, I know there's one design that I'm probably the most excited about. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Go buy your shit, folks. Yeah. 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 And we appreciate your support and even just listening and uh, commenting and having conversations. We like talking about movies, obviously. Did it for three hours. Clearly. Yep. Yep. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) This will be a short episode today. No way, Jose. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone.